is an indictment on the system that the, the men are this good and the women are down here. They have to be investing, and they are investing resources and money in it, but it's got to be smart as well. They've got to be seeing this as, as a major, major issue. Subscribe to the Rugby Stream on the OTB Sports app now. OTB AM with Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave or your money back. Neon Night Edition, available now. Half past seven, OTBAM, you're welcome along to the show. Oh, hot fun. Shane, good morning to you. Good morning, everything. Happy Friday. Colin, good morning to you. Adrian, Shane, good morning. What's happening? Oh, Listen, quiet. do you know? Lots going on. Thank God for the Champions League. We have a suite of stuff to talk about at the top yeah. of the show, and we have a busy show coming up after that, of course, as well. But uh, the stuff we have to talk about, and you can jump in here wherever you want. Shane Long had some interesting, really interesting, and forthright things to say about the his, let's call it, treatment under Stephen Kenny. Uh, Tottenham are the latest club linked with Evan Ferguson. Uh, we had Chelsea Leon last night in the Champions League. Really interesting game that Chelsea somehow, despite being a goal behind with almost the last kick of the game, managed to force a penalty shootout and come through on the right side and go in to meet Barcelona now in the semi-finals. And Padraig Carrington, uh, lowest round of the PGA Tour for the last mm, two or three years, at 68 at the Texas Open and tied for the lead after the first day. So, whatever you're having yourself there, where do you want to jump in? Uh, I think we've got to go with Chelsea, don't we? Yeah. Come into that game, very, very late finish. Looked like the underholders were going through. 2-0 up in the night. And then a penalty. Was it soft? We started our pre-show meeting this morning. So, just to, just describe behind the scenes. Just it. behind the scenes. Was it soft? Lauren James had the ball in the penalty area. She was veering left out towards corner flag. Had two Leon players around her. Was, I would say, I would say clipped and then almost fell over herself and fell over. When you look at it live from the wide shot, it looked like, no, that's a, almost a dive. Mm. And then you watched Oof. it in and you were like, oh no, it's a penalty. It took it's me 100% a, the penalty. It took me it? about 10 watches to, to realise that she had been clipped though. Because it, it looks like she kicks her own leg, but it, it, she, well, she looks to be clipped see, and then she kicks her own leg. I think once you see the slow-mo replay, there's no debate about it. In Absolutely. real time, watching it real time, I thought, oh no. Because actually, in that split second before she turned that way, she was been... Like this, this, by the way, was the last second of uh, extra time. Yeah. So this was like absolute desperation stake Take for the Chelsea. They were yeah. uh, 2 nil down on the night against Leon, 2 1 in aggregate, needing the goal to force a penalty shootout. Mm-hmm. And uh, when James gets the ball, she's sort of shepherded towards the, the end line. And I thought, oh, well, she's absolutely bottleless and there's, you know, they're not going to create a chance here, which had been the story of Chelsea's night, I must say. They were so toothless. They'd created plenty of scoring opportunities, but just not managed to really get the quality of shot away that they might have done, particularly given who they have up front. Yeah, well, the way Arsenal should have, you know, easily beaten Bayern, I suppose all the chances they created, Leon should have done the same with Chelsea last night. In the first 10 minutes, the visitors should have been miles ahead. Like, Chelsea were going into this game 1-0 ahead. But Emma Hayes said afterwards, celebrating the victory, the manager said Chelsea players just lacking confidence at the moment. They're not playing too well. So they had to really get through this and it was all about perseverance. And how often do you see champions do that where they're not mm. really playing well in springtime and yet in summer they have all the trophies I know we'll talk in the fire pit later about some maybe sporting phrases we don't like but can a penalty be soft and also a penalty like are they mutually exclusive can, can both things exist at the uh, same well time? there is a grading but That's equally it's yeah. either a penalty or it's not and for me like ultimately while it didn't look like that in the first viewing mm. 
you know, once the VAR calls the referee over to have a look at the TV, you know which way this is going. Yeah. And like it was, it was a little clip. It was fairly foolish on the Leon defender's behalf because she actually just exactly just doing nothing. She was sort of half shepherding away from goal anyway. Really tackle her either though. I mean, like it is clumsy. it is silly that it's well clumsy. Yeah, maybe like she got too close to her, but it wasn't even a tackle. It was mm. just you know, James's leg connected with hers. But it, like you've seen those penalties given so often these days, it went to VAR, so it wasn't given originally. Yeah. Mm. So you're talking a few years ago, Chelsea would have been out of the Champions League. I don't think any people complain about VAR. Yeah. There was also a bit of the shithousery out of Leon around the penalty in extra time was incredible. So um, Ingle and um, uh, Mielda, who took the penalty in the end, did that trick of, which I've seen recently, but I couldn't remember exactly who it was. Holding the where, ball. Where uh, Ingle held on, held on, on to the ball as if you know, to take all the heat whenever Kieran Trippier did it for Isak for, at Newcastle. Correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and then had the last second handed the ball over to Mielda <laughs> to have the go. But actually what happened at that point was the Leon players started encroaching into the penalty box and delayed the thing by another about three minutes, yeah. which was really sort of obviously putting the pressure on the penalty taker. But you managed to hold her nerve to bury it. But it, absolute shithousery on the... Yeah. And, and actually, Leon funnily part. enough, uh, another pre-show topic today was Phil Egan in the office saying uh, that that's exactly what we should talk about in today's fire pit is the increased S-housery around penalties. Ooh, yeah. And how frustrating oh, it is that when, that when a penalty is awarded that it takes so long for it to actually be taken and it seems to be... Are we not allowed to say the full expression, is that? Oh. Well, I just said I won one less curse wouldn't do us any harm. Mm. Wouldn't do us any You're harm. You're just not as sharp as you normally are calling my field this morning. What do you think, Shane? He's uh, a bit like... Yeah, just, yeah, yeah. He's not quite... I, I don't know what it is. I wasn't yeah. It's just something that's a slight edge. What's like he's normally... He's, he's witty. He's sharp. Yeah. He's yeah. intelligent. Smart, are you, doing you know, smart? like all of those. It just feels this morning. I'm not saying he's not not still all those things. Just 95 percent of himself. I feel. Oh, at 7:29 and 55 seconds, I was like, I'm not, I'm not going to mention it. I won't even mention it. Oh, really? Because you've been I, banging I, on for the last 24 <laughs> hours about well, how much time. Tell, 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 tell everyone what we're talking about here. I won't mention. No, it's up to no. you now. If you'd no, like, to, if you'd like to mention it, no. The only reason, the only thing <laughs> I want to say, the only thing I want to say, is that caffeine addiction is crippling. Yeah. Really, well, if you, if you'd like to mention like, it now, go ahead. And I'm suffering from it right now because right. I'm I'm having to withdraw. I'm fasting until late morning. I have to get blood tests later on. I can't have anything today. And usually I'd be two coffees in now, or I'd actually be having a coffee as you'd, we speak. You'd be two in at the stage. Well, I'd, just, I'd be one and a half, I guess. Oh wow. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's not ha- great. Not what I'm saying. Like, this is not good and, at all. and what happens for the rest of the day? You say, you... One more after the show. And then if it's really bad, if and, I've loads on, another one. Ah, like, stop. Well, that's four. doing you no good at that stage. No and these are all machine. Like these, There's no, like, uh, there. none of your Nescafe Braeburn sort of... Coffee. Braeburn's, yeah. yeah Full-on yeah. coffees, yeah. And uh, I mean, I, I, I love a, Braeburn coffee, obviously, but um, four of them is a, is a whack. I had a conversation there with Johnny Ward, who everyone would be familiar with out there, um, often on the show, and he said there's no such thing as having too much coffee. He believes mm, that's not true. No, Johnny Ward is he's a, he's a loose guy. Like you know, but that's I, pretty. I, like, I mean, I don't want to. I like, uh, I like sometimes I like his ideas. I used know? to work with a chef, like Tom Monaghan, who won't, won't be named, but he he has uh, he used to take like maybe twenty twenty five cups of coffee. Nevin McGuire. <laughs> it wasn't. Him. We'll call him Ed McGuire. <laughs> yeah, no, wait, that's too obvious. Nevin M. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So I don't know how people do it. Yeah, two, yeah, two max for me in a day. Two max. Two max. Well, b- b- before I uh, took the, uh, this job in this company, I was one a day. One a day. You know what I mean? Wow, so I've increased my consumption four times. There's a lot to be said for a, ca- for a, gre- a peppermint tea. 
Oh, absolutely. Yeah, Green tea said. is apparently a very good substitute. Is it? Yeah. Now, I haven't read the comments yet. Are there any comments? But I can feel people are either going to be very important at this conversation or move on. Want us to go back oh, I'd say, I'd, nobody's coming together, which is a sure sort of um, oh, that's, sign that's, that's 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 the worst sign. Yeah. Uh, Daryl says that he can't wait for me to answer everyone else's questions uh, once the answers are given in the crappy quiz later. <laughs> Thanks for your support there, Dar. Actually, <laughs> what, you'll, what you'll find is what I've taken to doing because of um, people like your good self, Dar, I've taken to writing the answers down so that I can end say no I actually had it here um, it's yeah. be very um, you know I look I leave the crappy, there will be a crappy quiz later on and I'm not going to start pre-moaning about the crappy quiz mm. um, but it's coming from a uh, genuine place you know yeah. Owen oh, um, McCarthy has a good stat for us what he says off the brew oh it's not like bad it. don't know what it is it's like partridge in the pear tree oh, don't know yeah, what it is exactly. yes well, yeah, it's a good go. name though that's not bad no we'd load the sport Superb penalty under under severe pressure, says uh, Jamie Yeah, we actually haven't yeah. talked about the penalty itself. Her two penalties both in the shoot, in the shoot, both same side, different heights. But I mean, to go top left in a ninety, or sorry, five minutes into additional time and extra time in the Champions League quarter final, um, it's incredible. I feel we should mention Shane Long as well. Yeah. Um, so we'll do that for anybody. This sort of emerged out yesterday evening that uh, Shane Long had been speaking on the uh, K and Ash Share Your Voice podcast. Uh, Ash, uh, sorry, Kay being his wife, Kaylee, and um, he sat down for a conversation about the end of his days with Ireland and how all that uh, has apparently unfolded. Mm-hmm. Um, strong, aren't they? A lot of stuff. Very, very strong words. And he talks about um, the critical of Stephen Kenny and his man management around this, which I would have always thought seemed to be come to the fore as um, mm. one of his really strong, his strong points and there seemed to be a lot of logic look at you don't know what's going on uh, behind the four walls of course but um, he says that he uh, Stephen Kenny had a really good idea to bring himself Darren Randolph and Seamus Coleman in and present jerseys to some of the newer players who had arrived into the squad um, and he thought this was a really nice touch and as they came in uh, they were Darren Randolph presented his jersey to Cueven Kelleher Seamus Coleman presented his jersey to John Egan or no uh, O'Shea and these sure, were like yeah. high numbers yeah. so they were like squad numbers and then uh, Shane Long was asked to present the jersey to Adam Eda, which he did and then opened up the jersey and it was number 9 and Shane Long feels very strongly that this was not uh, you know you have to work he had to work to get the 9 jersey off after Kevin Doyle retired and now you have to Adam Eda should have had to work to get the jersey off him and that there was no conversation around it in advance and he was fuming he said it was late in my Ireland career so obviously when you come into the ranks you get a high number and then he talks a little bit more about that where was the strong stuff particularly towards the end wasn't it this here Uh, Stephen Kenny called me into the squad Um, I had a little speech saying how proud I was to make my first appearances when he was uh, presenting the jersey to Adam just introducing them to the team which I thought was a great idea um, and then he mentions Coleman and Darrow Shea and then I stepped up it was Adam Eda. I was delighted because he's Cork City he's a bit of a culture like myself a young guy big potential I gave a speech I held up the shirt and on the back it was number 9 I remember just handing that jersey over and I just wanted to storm out of that room if it was at club level I would have left that would have been me gone I didn't want to take away from Adam that was uh, a manager making a statement I rang Kayleigh she was my sounding board and she was raging as well Adam hadn't made an appearance for Ireland he hadn't earned that shirt um, it was a traditional way you had to earn that number in the squad and to have it taken away handed over like that was embarrassing and degrading I spent so many years trying to earn that number it was uh, one of the lowest and I didn't want to take away from Adam went straight to the kit man and asked him who picks the numbers and he said the gaffer that's, it's that bit about been uh, embarrassing and degrading 
very strong. I can see I can see both points of view here. I understand that footballers have egos and, and for a player of, of Shane Long's experience wearing the number nine jersey probably meant a lot to him. As he said there, meant a lot to him to get the number nine jersey in the first place at, at international level. But I, I kind of I'm kinda of thinking just you're an experienced player, it's a number on your back. Get on with it. Just get on with it. Forget about it. Mm. It's not that big a deal, really. I understand the strikers have egos especially. I do understand that. Um but I mean, Stephen Kenny did that for a reason. He obviously knows Adam Eda's personality as well. Maybe that he'd get a kick out of wearing the number nine jersey and maybe that might push him forward. I don't know. But I think for, for a player of Shane Long's perspective, whether you're wearing 17, 99 or anything in between, like it doesn't matter. Just mm. get on with the game and get on with playing in the squad and being an experienced member of the squad. Sounds like he did that anyway and he, he parked it and said, I'm not going to let this ruin my international career one person. So I think Shane Long had the right attitude about it, but the number on your back, doesn't really matter. When did international players start getting squad numbers? Well, I think they do, but at the, at the outset of a camp. No, I mean, they do, but when did that start? Because mm. this this wouldn't be an issue otherwise. Because um, it used to be one to eleven. It's not like, that recent. It's not that recent, is it? No, it's not that. Yeah, but I was just wondering. There, were, there was a time because if you look at two thousand and two World Cup, Damien Duff wore number nine mm. for that tournament. Yeah, it was very unusual for mm. an out and out winger as he was at the time to play number nine. He did play up front in the tournament, but he eventually got number eleven. But it used to just be your starting eleven, and then whatever was left over for the subs. Mm. So this is the problem when you start giving people squad numbers, yeah. and also you have to be really careful about who you choose as your number nine internationally. Was Shane Long ever the proper candidate for number well, nine? He, he did say that players covet their numbers, which I wasn't aware of. Well, so, so you have to take that as red, yeah, right. So that's a thing. That's just a thing. So we've established that, and in that context, like I certainly take what you're saying, Shane. But I also think that Shane Long has proven over a long number of years to be a pretty honest broker and like yep. th- not one of these guys I think like you say like of good character I think might yeah. be what you would uh, how you would describe that so I almost sort of I certainly my initial reaction was oh is this such a big deal but then I just thinking about it a bit more coming from an honest broker he's obviously felt extremely hurt by it was Stephen Kenny using it as a, as a motivation? Mm. If he was, would you not sit down with him afterwards and go, listen... Or beforehand and say, this is a, the number I'm Well, giving. beforehand, you lose the motivation because then you're not delivering the hammer blow. But I, t- I do take that point. You could have delivered it beforehand. You could have sat down with him afterwards and said, listen, this is your message now. What the hammer blow he's is. taking your jersey. What are you going to do to take it back? The hammer and blows. at that point, you have a fired up striker who's ready to go and you can't be you can't be catching him off guard opening up the jersey and seeing the number nine at that, that point that probably was, wasn't ideal that's yeah. why I think the discussion beforehand maybe is important if any person said last week he, he was annoyed or not annoyed he was surprised that Evan Ferguson wasn't given the number nine jersey in the recent window I think mm. he was given 17 certainly against 19, Lafayette he was wearing yeah. or 19, 19 sorry yeah. and Vinny was kind of bringing that up as a, as a as a potential talking point either the number well it's pressure you see that's the thing that's pressure yeah. again from a Stephen Kenny point of view you're thinking about what number I'm going to give him here it's a bit of pressure if you give him the nine jersey because, like, if he needs to be dropped in a couple of games, then suddenly it's. Mm. We obviously felt Ida was deserving of at that time. Yeah. So it, Evan Ferguson, I mean, is, is clearly deserving of whatever jersey he wants. Mm. I would, numbers are definitely pressured, or sorry, uh, precious to elite players because Edison Cavani was number seven, for Manchester United in his first season at the club, and then Cristiano Ronaldo came back and he was given number twenty-one. Yeah, wasn't happy with it. It's a status thing. It's not actually the number. Oftentimes, I would say, and in Shane Long's case, it's. His position in the Irish squad and starting lineup was precarious, and he probably felt that going into that camp anyway. When he was going to do this presentation for Adamita, he was probably still thinking, "Geez, am I even going to start here with all these players coming through?" And then the number nine jersey switched over. The other way to look around it is: Is Evan Ferguson upset that he's not number nine? No, yeah, I, I would doubt it. Yeah, but at different points, you're you're you're, you're different 
person at the end of your career. Like he's saying himself, it was the tail end of his Ireland career. His days were coming towards an end anyway. He was going to be. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm. Um, Projecting a lot of words here, mm. but like he was going to be a bit of a bit bar player, wasn't he, for Ireland at that point? That but he still, Shane Long could still come out back into an international squad. I'm not it's sure. On, it's on, I'm not sure. Well, no, but Stephen Kenny left it open. I think you know when he was I last. I think after, after those words, now that feels like this feels like the possibly no return. But I mean, I mean but yeah, and like you know, I'd say from Shane Long's point of view as well, he's probably looking at a lot of those players that come in. Is he? Is he probably looking at that going? Am I not at least as deserving a place here as whatever? Like. You know, yeah. some of the players that have come in there. Yeah, and I, I do understand it from Shane Long's perspective, and I'm kind of surprised by the emotion of the quotes, but mm. as in, like, that he went ahead and said that. So I suppose, like, it's a comfortable setting in a podcast, and you're going to say what you really feel, which is that that's the greatest thing about the emergence of podcasts. You really actually do hear from players mm. what they think. But, like, he was very much as part of the Irish setup for the previous couple of years before that happened. Yeah. So I understand it from his perspective, and yeah. it was a vulnerable position that he was in, like, but. For Stephen Kenny, it was interesting. I, well, I suppose we'll never find out really if it was in I his time I challenged along. He will get asked. Or was it like I, I'm disregarding you? I'm disregarding get, you. He will get asked about it. There's no question. And I do get the like. There is a status thing amongst players. You know, yeah. like it's, when he says embarrassing, I'm sure he means embarrassing uh, amongst his teammates who are all looking at him, going in his mind, "Oh, but that's your jersey, and now you're literally handing it over to somebody else." So I do get that there is a little bit of do understand that uh, quirky kind of captures it here he says I don't think Shane Long would have minded if Kenny had explained beforehand it's not about ego it's more about communication and culture well he would have minded he said that in the quotes he would have been raging but at least he would have had time to process mm. there was the video that was last year of when Koulibaly was joining Chelsea of him ringing John Terry, John Terry and yeah. going can I wear the number 26 because nobody had worn the 26 since Terry had left and it was like can I please wear it and Terry gave him his it's firm blessing. That's right. Uh, so there's a little bit of pomp and ceremony around the numbers. That's right. For some people, and obviously the number seven jersey of teams like Liverpool and Manchester United has historical yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, Speaking of number seven, this obviously lends itself to odd numbers and uh, unusual players. Jamie Damican, who starred yesterday with the GMAC request, oh, has come in again today with Cheers another belter. That, Appreciate that. Matt Doherty wears number seven, which is a crime against squad numbers. That's true. Uh, then you're getting to... We're, William Gallas is number ten for Chelsea. Khaled Boularouz, anyone remember him? Yeah. For Chelsea, number nine. But it, that, kind of, that, kind of excites, Sidwell, that kind of excites me. Number That's, nine. Who cares? Pretty interesting. So you don't care? No. So why does Shane Long? Because I, his teammates. Yeah. His teammates. It's, so, it's not the number. It's the... I like, you know, like I'm... And, and his vulnerability. My birthday's on the 21st. So I, I, I used to like wearing the number 21. I used to, or I like, I used okay. to like players wearing the number 21. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. And then you wouldn't mind if it didn't become the 21 because it's not like a yeah. status thing. Exactly. Um, well, Samarano, yeah. With uh, Isolt, uh, Cody, good morning to Isolt. Cullum should have moved to Matcha. Caffeine energy without crashing or adrenal glands needing the break. Didn't think this is what I need to be tweeting about today. Uh, to what is ostensibly, the week that's in it, ostensibly a sports show. It's ostensibly, we, yeah. We, we sometimes talk about other stuff. We do. Well. It's, it's important to get the coffee in. Um, but yeah, certainly if there are alternatives that don't lead to the shakes. I'll start getting the shakes after. I'll take one in the morning before the show usually and then maybe one at about half ten, eleven out for a stroll after the show. Yeah. But th- nothing beyond that. I used to get a headache if I wasn't getting enough coffee. Really? At that point, I realised I needed to go cold turkey for a while. Yeah. Decaf coffees as well. That's, I, 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 have I, I Decaf, I must say. Pointless. I, 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 uh, I'm reticent to go too hard here. But my natural instinct is, what's the point like? Huh? What's that all about? He's not even listening anymore. His, the energy has gone so well, low. Do the, do the other job. Did you hear what I said? Yeah, I did, yeah. There was a fire, uh, viral video of the Mayo lad. It was a Mayo lad yesterday talking about the 16 points. Oh, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. What's the point? 
yeah. the two points. Well, so you're saying, what's the point in well, the... It's a very different take that I'm... Totally that different, have, but, but what's the point in the, the decaf? I, I do love coffee, and I love the taste of coffee. I love the experience of coffee. So decaf, you get the taste, no? But at the same time... That's a good way to put it. I just, I just, I don't know... The experience of coffee. I don't know that... Um, <laughs> Colm's going through it over there. He is, he's going so, through it. I just don't know. I just I think when you're drinking it, then you're like, well, I'm not really... You also want to get the caffeine hit, let's face it. I, yeah. it would be, before I moved to Dublin, I barely looked at a cup of coffee. But it also goes to show that the last seven or eight years, there's been, an absolute, that? there's been an absolute boom. Be at home. There's been an absolute... Came up to Dublin, you were like, I'm going to try loads of coffee. Like, Is that it? Sorry. Did they not have uh, coffee down in Cork? Well, that's I'm, what I'm saying. No, but this goes to my other point. Is it just me? Or ten years ago, coffee wasn't. Did you a move thing. up to Dublin when you were eighteen? Coffee, I can tell you, what, ten what years ago, coffee was a thing. Coffee wasn't what, a thing. What age though? did you move to Dublin? Coffee at? Wasn't a thing. Oh, what age were you? What age was I? Yeah, twenty. Yeah, so you like five. Oh Jesus! Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, I think so. I think so. <laughs> okay. But um, oh. tell me this, everyone: is it just me or? Is coffee? Coffee was only kind of an instant thing at home. You'd have and it in the jar, Maxwell House or whatever you're having. When but now it seems in Dublin, like every other, every other shop or every other third shop is a cafe. No, like coffee I, has exploded. I think, exploded I think that in that's this the same way that when you grew exploded. up, certainly when I grew up, like I had, uh, you know, I had about four or five meals that I had in rotation for the first. 18, 20 years of my life and then I never had anything else and yeah. I realised other food exists. Is that the same thing with coffee? I do That's think a car, I think it actually coincided at the time that there was a coffee explosion in this country. Jo- uh, Johnny Ward, I mentioned him again, he was on there recently saying that he went to Italy and, you know, would no, be known for its coffee. Mm. Not a patch on what you get here. That we have world-class coffee. Mm. Speaking of world-class, oh, yeah. the coffee here yeah, is world-class. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 and it's just everywhere. You can't move for it. The espresso thing I don't really understand because that's just that's just someone who loves caffeine. That you, you don't really like. The well, you see, there's, there's like um, you'll probably reach a point in life, Shane, where you're like you don't really want to consume a whole pile of milk yeah. in your uh, in your diet. Where you're actually looking at what you're consuming. It's true. Yeah, and yeah. so you know, I think it's an important discussion. Coffee, you know. Oh wow, look at that kind of nice. Uh, Nigel Gallagher, though. Um, I think this sums it all up. No, no, sorry, you, you won't. You won't read it out, Colm, So I'll read it Especially out. Especially, coffee has exploded. Bob Bob Dwyer, our, our friend in OTBM here, says Colm is the Musa Dembele of OTBM. Doesn't get the credit he deserves. Keeps things ticking over, and as well-rounded sporting knowledge akin to Dembele's ability to beat the first press. That's a nice comment. Spectre Corps says we have the parchy sung of coffee, which would be the top tier coffee, obviously. It would be world, the world class. Eleven of world coffee class, top tier. I know a man who likes coffee. Yeah, good segue. 7.52, Colm, thanks, William, for... Um, especially so this morning. Especially so this morning. We, myself and the audience very much appreciate you making the effort because yeah. that must have been very hard for you. It's the show I love. It's what I do. Uh, right, 7.52, ought to be end with Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave of your money back. Neon Night Edition available now. Here's what's coming up. Ronan Nagara, as uh, Colm has alluded to, is standing by. Anna Capeless is going to look ahead to uh, the Ireland-France game in Cork tomorrow at 10 past 8 this morning. Shawnee Johnston will look ahead to the league finals this weekend. We'll have our Friday fire pit. And uh, Jess Kelly is coming to the studio at 10 past 9 for a slot that she promised about a month ago where I'm going to do something to do with virtual reality. Oh. Headset. I, I, you don't I know much can't. about it figure how this is going to work in a broadcast environment it's like the toy show this is brilliant yeah 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 Merry Christmas and then Rafa Honningstein who was uh, in conversation with Nathan last night so that's all coming your way today do keep the comments coming into us whatever's on your mind this morning Ronan Agara good morning to you morning Morning, how are you doing very good how are you good where are you at this point of your week Gloucester obviously at the Stade Marcel de Flandre tomorrow evening Uh, Heineken Cup round of 16 where are you at in terms of planning now is it uh, you know the turnaround from last weekend. Everything done and dusted, signed and sealed, and we're ready to go. Or, yeah, where are you at? 
Never like that. Never, never really like that. Um, so yes, they will be kind of the big hit out of the week where you try and go at high intensity for um, a twenty-minute period or twenty-five-minute period, and then um, review that. I suppose this morning uh, as as a coach, and then present those findings to the players at around. We'll train as close as possible to kickoff time. Um, tonight uh, for a final little um, jog through, captain's run we call it, you know, so um, you do that 24 hours before kickoff um, in potentially a similar conditions you can create for your team uh, so hopefully tomorrow you transfer what you've been working on um, throughout the week um, yeah, a lot of energy during the week, a, a big result last weekend in the top 14, give boys confidence, but it's always a fine line between uh, getting your prep done and um, I wouldn't say respecting the opposition, but uh, we were probably had that fear factor against Bordeaux, so we were on edge and uh, it's a big derby game, 42,000 people, fantastic soccer stadium, Ireland I think play Romania there first game of Rugby World Cup uh, surface needs to be improved a little bit it's a soccer surface where couldn't take the scrums um, so uh, but a beautiful stadium uh, great surface um, fast game so um, from that point of view uh, you know you're not boxed off and we're not. I wish I could go drink coffee for for the rest of the day. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've got good, you've got good coffee there, Roger. Connoisseur, yeah, at the very least. Yeah, it is a great topic, though. As you say, I think um, especially in coaching, I think, and if you ask any of the coaches, it's their number one. It would be high on the priority list of what gets them through a week, a day, whatever it is. It's eight fifty-five. I've already had two flat whites. I've had nothing to eat, but by the time three o'clock comes, it'll be hitting eight to ten. You know. Would, would you find, Ronan, um, so that when you have all the prep done and not, clearly the coffee helps uh, in doing that, but you can almost relax at that point? Like, would you sleep Would you sleep better the night before a match now or, or when you were a player? Um, oh, it's very, very different, I mm. think. I don't think uh, when you're a player you understand the levels of tiredness that a coach can feel. You know, it's very, very different. Sleep is a huge factor as a player and very important you get your rest right you get your recovery right as a coach it's over you're finished you know that I mean I'm not playing here so mentally you have to be very sharp obviously but uh, there are days there literally when uh, by the time you kind of put your head in the pillow you're gone mm. while other times there you know I mean it takes a while to get to sleep because the mind is very active but there's been some days especially Sunday Mondays you're you're shattered, you just need to go to bed and can't wait for the next day and hopefully you're feeling better than you did when you went to bed. Mm. Um, just on, on the game this weekend, so um, and I was just interested in your point about the fear factor against Bordeaux, so like for people who aren't uh, familiar with it, Gloucester squeezed in as the final team in Pool A uh, with a final round win over... Um, was it Bordeaux at that time? The, the final round win. Yeah. It was a Bordeaux, yeah. yeah. And the, in the Premiership, it doesn't make pretty reading there. They've um, um, a big a big job of work to do to to try and steer clear the relegation places there as well. It, I was reading some of the quotes with Jonathan Dante during the week. It just on, on your point there about the fear factor, it seems like you've put a big focus on ensuring that that creep of, well, we should win this, doesn't become a factor on the day for the players. 
Yeah, because we've already seen it three times. So, Adrian, you don't need any more proofs than that. You know, we got smashed by Poe at home. We got beaten by Bordeaux at home. We got beaten by Leon at home. So, if you were in an interesting study, I would think, in the fact of where are they coming from. And, uh, I mean, there's obviously no talk in those weeks that that opposition uh, will get what they want in the Flond. Yet they did. And we're in that territory now where one game beating us can save a team season. So, that's very attractive from our point of view because we know we've got a big target on our heads, but that, that changes when you're European champion. So uh, we got to accept that, we got to embrace that, we got to love that, and, um, and we're ready for that. Uh, what's been good in the last few weeks is the fact that uh, we've assumed that status and we're ready to fight on two fronts. And you got to remember that this started last August, so... From August to March, there's been a lot of hard yards. Now we need to uh, enjoy this territory, enjoy this opportunity and show what we're capable of playing. I presume that um, in terms of that, that complacency bit, I presume that like your, the ideal scenario for you is that some of your senior players stand up in the room and go, listen, uh, we need to be on our toes this week. You look at the quality players that are there, Ludlow, Morgan, Harris, Twelve Trees, uh, Reece Samet, Johnny May, there's like a quality there. You're looking for some of your players, I presume, to stand up and drive that culture. Is that how it manifests itself? Or? Yeah, well, yes and no. You know, you, you've got a poor culture if you're looking for your players to get up and speak about complacency. That, that doesn't exist, you know. I think that's what separates... So I, I suppose the internally motivated players, the self-driven players, the other players that need motivation or inspiration from a coach, and that's not a weakness on their behalf, but it's just uh, we go again every week, and that's where uh, good players become great players, their capacity to start again at zero and prep, prepare very well and get their performance. But at the same time, they're not robots, and they have emotions, and they have family, and they've uh, external issues sometimes and that's why they're never always on but you're hoping that you know I mean 15, 16 or 23 are on and that's good enough to carry you over the line from from uh, week to week because the challenge every week is very different the opposition is very different but uh, that stuff about culture and behaviour is, isn't is fixed by talking it's fixed by acts and consistent behaviours and that's uh, where we're getting better at and why it's becoming very enjoyable to be part of this I suppose setup. What are they can I ask you Ron? The behaviours? Yeah. Well I think we measure ourselves on our values our values are established by not the club but by the players the club would have their own values the players would have and the team would have their values and we measure ourselves with them and I think it didn't really come down to to rugby against Bordeaux it came, it came down to measuring up against those values that you know I mean I'm not going to obviously give you them uh, what we measure ourselves with but it's very understandable for people to understand what I am talking about so we just have a look to see do our behaviours measure up to our acts on the pitch and they did last weekend but they didn't in Poe at home they didn't in Leon at home they didn't at Bordeaux at home so you could add Gloucester to that list and it wouldn't be a surprise uh, to me if they are added to that list if we don't get our preparation or our transfer on the pitch right it's very very easy but uh, when you're looking at that from a coach's point of view you you have to be on alert but also know that if we do this this and this correct we have a great chance of performing well 
that's that's fascinating when you talk about the psychology and 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 you forget that they're they're professional sports people, but they're human human beings with with emotions as well. And that word complacency, as you, as you say, like when you come off the back of a thirty point win away from home, you know people looking from the outside in are like, well, there has to be complacency there now because yeah, they're, I love, they're such I love a big that win, but psychological battle. I love that understanding of what goes on in the mind. I just think that all the players have brilliant physical attributes sorry not brilliant but uh, to a certain level but then the great unknown is the, is the mental battle and that's what separates all the teams the capacity to not break first sometimes to not even uh, seek something else it's to not break first and what does not break mentally first would be I think explained very differently by a lot of different coaches but uh it's just the body will go where the mind is telling it but if the mind doesn't want to go you're going to break or someone's going to break and that's Mm -hmm. the weakness where you get a soft shoulder you come up with an ill-disciplined play you you force the referee's hand in terms of holding on it's either three points or kick to the corner pressure for the opposition there's all these mini moments throughout the game but a lot of people focus on the end of the game while Let's start quick. Let's start fast. Let's set our tempo. And um, that's why um, with 23 people starting, sorry, included in the game, they all see it very, very differently. And when you speak different languages and you come from all different corners of the world, it becomes very, very exciting because there isn't enough time for discussions and uh, there isn't enough time um, to hear everyone. But you want those discussions to happen because that means that the players are able to be themselves. If players are able to be themselves, they can express themselves. If you're trying a player to play in a setup that he's not at ease with, you're not going to get the best out of him. And those external factors that you mentioned, that, that's something that, that isn't considered by by media or by fans. A lot of the time, like you forget that, as you say, these players sometimes are, you know, maybe they're having a, a week of bad sleep. There's stuff going on at home. They're stressed about something else that we don't know about. So, like a lot of it, I guess, for you is man management. It's 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 being aware of those things. And a lot of a lot of people talk about Alex Ferguson and how he he was a manager as opposed to a coach. Left the coaching to other people. But but that dealing with human beings is is such a crucial part of the job and knowing what's going on behind the scenes. Yeah, exactly. And there is always. You know what I mean? Because there's whatever, 70 people between players and staff, there's always external factors and some of them are quite serious. But what the experienced players or senior players are, uh, people, they're able to park. Some people aren't able to park the external issues. Other people are. Some people find that it just eats away at them and it gets them and swallows them up. And once you've had those discussions with them, you can completely understand and there's a reason. It's where... The player may not have that confidence to approach you or a member of staff to tell them exactly what the story is. Uh, and it's probably very apt in terms of how it's applied to the general public in terms of mental health. A problem shared is a problem halved. We need to open up. We need to discuss. We need to chat. We need to tell me and we can help. And it applies to me as well when I'm having down periods. you gotta you got to share these and you got to let people know because if you bottle it up, you're either going to explode or do something that will cause uh, hurt to you or your players. And that, and that's what we want to completely avoid in high-pressure environments. 
You mentioned uh, Alton Delan in your piece in the Examiner this morning and you're confirming that he's going to start tomorrow. Will you talk to us a little bit about the journey that he's been on? He's cooking by all accounts. Yeah, he's he's uh, found his, his mojo, he's found his stride. Um, he had a big game last weekend and uh, it's a perfect example of what's involved in a player leaving an environment he was thriving in that went to a, probably a stale end in Connacht and then uh, transferred over to France, doesn't know anyone, uh, can speak the language very well, new setup, uh, uh, period of introduction, and then uh, that takes time. And I think um, there was probably periods at the start where I was going, uh, yeah, Ulti in a Connacht jersey and an Irish jersey isn't measuring up to, to what I, I saw in the past. But now, uh, bingo, the last month, yes, this is what I like. This is what really uh, appeals to me. And um, there was never any stress between the, the me or Ulton. There was only small discussions. But uh, it's a good learning for me too. And the fact that that's what happens when... I suppose a guy transfers from a different European country to another country. It takes time to, to find his straps, to get in with the boys and uh, find what works for him. Now, the final stage is just getting those performances and, and that's the level what we're at. And then I'm pretty confident with, uh, I suppose, the fitness he has, he can go to another level as well. I was watching a, a replay of the Raymond Rule try from last weekend um, where you run the ball from behind your own goal line and uh, length of the pitch and, and over it goes. What? Um, uh, you're, you're, you're after a few whiskeys, are you? What game are you was it, Oh, maybe it was, maybe it was from a couple of weeks prior. It was actually a preview of the game that included a clip from a few weeks prior. In fact, now that you mentioned it, you're absolutely right, of course. Uh, you yeah, might know absolutely. these things. Was it against Rassing? Was it against Rassing? Okay. I need to get more coffees in. Sorry, what abuse are you giving me there? I'll shut up. <laughs> Go on, sorry. I need, yeah, I need, to, I need to have a word of my line season. manager about... That's even last season, I think. Was it even last season? season? Well, it's, yeah. it's, it's ruined my question in that case, but I'll ask you anyway. Um, it, there was so much chat last year about the, nothing, more, nothing worse than a belligerent <laughs> interviewer, as we know. Um, uh, KBA is what I wanted to ask you about, and the keep ball alive... Um, um, philosophy is that still it, it got so much airtime a couple of years ago and it you know it seemed to sort of disappear off the radar at some point is that still a thing that you speak about or an, an approach that you have uh, of course yeah but that's um, one of many different philosophies in the moment and the fact that all that means is that's that's uh, crusader speak is just keep keep ball alive and LQB is lightning quick ball that's becoming a little bit uh, more in in, uh, in mode at the minute as well. So these are all buzzwords that happen. But like um, there are many teams or players doing KBA, but unfortunately they're keeping the ball alive by offloading to the opposition, which completely is the opposite of what you want. You know, so uh, what? Obviously, if you fall to the ground and you create a rock. Uh, everyone's talking about the escape speed of the rock ball, but to avoid rocks, you don't play off the ground. You keep the ball alive, so there are no rocks. So it's obviously faster than a rock. So that beats the speed of, I suppose, so many of the data analysts out there who are in, uh, engrossed in this rock speed. But 
Uh, what the French are very good at is that they they don't uh, at times, and it was a, always the key point of Axel when we played um, French teams is just make them rock and make them rock. They don't like rocking, uh, so that's where uh, it's fascinating for us. We're trying to combine the the DNA of the French teams where they play out of the tackle to uh, something Joe Smith was brilliant at coaching the rock and, and uh, Donica Ryan obviously played under him so he has a lot of good nuggets on that so we're trying to marry the two of them at club level and see what it brings us uh, Jules Favre is your, your number 10 runner I know he's another name you mentioned in your examiner column um, t- uh, this morning but no no he's our number oh sorry but he kicked 17 points 14, 11, of course, 14, yes. 14. We all need to do our prep a bit better. Well, funny, we we were talking about squad numbers this morning. The importance of squad numbers as well. Funny, ironically enough, on the show this morning. But uh, kicked 17 points last weekend, and I think it's his, uh, you mentioned his 100th start for for La Rochelle this weekend coming. Like, do you find yourself levitating towards the likes of Jules Favre in the squad because of, because he's a kicker, or or it's it's like asking who's your favourite child? You know, you don't, you don't say. Oh, no, it wasn't that. It was just a. This is a guy who has worked extremely hard, and it's a great example, I think, for, for younger kids in the fact, too, that this guy isn't a natural goal kicker, but mm. he's, he's practice, 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 and then, you know I mean, it, it, for me, it's reassuring that you can put a fellow like Astoy on, on holidays and, and call on Jules Favre to, to goal kick, uh, and he kicked whatever they were, reasonably easy kicks, but no kick is easy when it's your first time kicking, really, in that in front of 42,000 people. Uh, what gives me a lot of pleasure in the fact coaching this guy is to watching a guy progress in front of you and being open to learning and hoping to getting better, uh, but having that great... Uh, smile when he comes in every day and in good form and a pleasure to be around. That's that's uh, why I like working with these guys. He um, he works hard at his game and he's getting the return for it. He's 24, I think, and he's 100 games for for Stade Rochelet, which is great. Uh, Felix Jones obviously um, announced during the week, Ronan, that he's off to the England backroom staff at the end of the World Cup. Um, a guy that you obviously shared a dressing room with for three or four years at Munster. I remember at that time, even before he had forced to retire injur- injured, the chat around his leadership qualities at that stage. And he's got some bloody CV at a very young age now. Yeah, yeah. It's a... It's a not a surprise, obviously. Felix is a, an insane competitor, loves it loves talking rugby, loves getting the best out of the people he works with. Uh, everywhere he's gone, he creates great connections with the people he works with. So I think the connection would be Alan Walters, who was the strength and conditioning coach in Munster, who went on to uh, obviously design the model for the war, for South Africa to win the World Cup. Then he goes to Leicester, so he'd have the in and Felix. So Alan said, I presume, get this guy and... Now Felix is poached to work with England, which is a, a fantastic opportunity for him. I think his family is in Limerick, maybe still. Um, so it's obviously closer to home for him, but um, keeps him at the top end of the game. Yeah, I'm sure hopefully we might see him back here at some point as well down the track. Final one for me, Ronan. There was a, a lovely video that um, a lot of people will have seen uh, this morning from, from that came out of the game last weekend. It was yourself and the, the ball boy during the match uh, caught on camera kind of teaching. Technique. Yeah, a bit of ta- bit of tackling technique and, and you kind of picked he um, stood up and you could see the look in the kid's eyes he's absolutely buzzing that he's getting a, a one-on-one from yourself that, that was a lovely moment it's something that, that probably he'll remember forever 
Yeah, I do, you know, if you, when you're there, you don't. Obviously, I've seen the image, and it's pretty close up of the discussion, which is uh, he was uh, we, the chat prior to that. He had beaten my son in the in the under 13s when Bordeaux beat La Rochelle, and uh, so he was he was having a joke with me about that. And then he was uh, obviously a big fan of Jalibert, who was a brilliant player for Bordeaux, and. Uh, uh, I just said the big challenge for Jalibert at test level was to just he's got to keep making his tackles and I said are you are you a good tackler and he said yeah I'm a brilliant tackler and I said brilliant come on show me uh, so it was because uh, you know he uh, he was um, a lovely little kid great uh, great chat throughout the game with him. and you forget that it's a, because my boys do it in, in in La Rochelle, you know, and it's, it doesn't cost anything just to say how's your evening going or whatever, you know. But then the chat just happened naturally with him. We got chatting about all the things and big fan of Jalibert, as I said. And if, uh, he is an exceptional player, a brilliant player. And um, I was just saying to him that, uh, yeah, you got to be Jalibert, you got to be like Jalibert, and you got to keep going. Jalibert's got to keep kind of practicing those tackles, and same for you. And uh, it was um, then he was talking about um, just that he didn't miss any tackles in his under thirteen game against La Rochelle. <laughs> Con technique was a bit high to begin with, and you had to say to him, "Listen, get low." No, no, it was just you quiz. That's the thing too. You don't want if you get the hip bone, it's it's a knockout. Right. And one of our core players, Matthew Sadad, had uh, a bad KO in the game. Uh, because he put his head the wrong side of the tackle, you know. Yeah. Uh, I think I was a little bit spooked by that, so it was just making sure that you get flesh between the knee and the uh, and the arse. But you, the closer you go to the to the the hip, the, the guys have a few hard hip bones. Yeah. Gary Ringrose, of course, from a few weeks ago as well. Uh, enjoy the flat whites today. Good luck tomorrow. Catch up with you down the yeah, track. Thanks a lot. Ronald Agar on the line there, um, ahead of the weekend. Good to spend a little bit of time talking about La Rochelle, which we don't often yeah. get the chance to do because we're in the middle of the Six Nations or there's other stuff going on. And yeah. so it's good to just um, spend a bit of time talking about La Rochelle. I was re- the problem was I read an article and within the article was embedded this clip. And in hindsight... Uh, of course, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, that's me explaining my... Uh, oh, well, you got to the point of the question. to prepare, whatever yeah, what the yeah, expression yeah. is. <laughs> I got to the point of the question, which was totally irrelevant, but I went ahead anyway, Shane. That's, uh, yeah. Um... Right, what are we doing? There's loads of stuff coming in about coffee. Um, of course, that's what everyone wants to talk about. Yeah, uh, Italian coffee being top tier, says the Franzi Brady. Mm. Um, what's the world 11 of coffee brands, says Zanzi, which um, I, you could easily swap in. That's like a Cullen Buig right there. Written all over it. But Cullen, it Cullen spin on that would be, what's the, what's the best coffee 11 that nobody knows of there'd be some other doesn't Ethiopia have the best coffee in the world oh or, does it really yeah, it's right? certainly it's certainly in contention I remember being in Tanzania after uh, Humble Bright climbing Kilimanjaro <laughs> and um, we, we, we went and visited some coffee coffee farms fascinating to see how it's to see how it's grown and made so eye opening but I do like my coffee but yeah, some people are obsessed with it as we as we found out this morning, yeah, I'm a little bit obsessed with myself. I've, I have a favourite coffee brand in Dublin. Do you? In fact, yeah, yeah. Brand is in other, shop. Other other brands exist, of course. They do. Um, well, you haven't said it. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it. Uh, yeah, exactly. A brand of coffee that's sold at various places. Um, <laughs> do keep the uh, comments coming into us this morning, whether it's about the rugby or whatever else you're having yourself. We've loads to come um, a little bit later on. We'll be talking to Shawnee Johnston um, about a the league finals this weekend. Some really interesting yep. stuff there. The return at Luxton and more as well. 
well. We've got Johnny's thoughts and all that. We'll have a Friday fire pit. Jess Kelly, Kelly is going to go back into the studio and uh, I'm going to put on um, virtual reality gaming kit and I'm um, going to kayak, I understand. I don't know how that's going to work for wow. you. But, uh, I'm just going to sit here and laugh. Be here. Sorry, it's, it's be all here. you. I mean the audience. I mean the audience. Oh, sorry, and yeah. else. And you, Shane. But look, we'll, you can you can do commentary on it because I'm sure that'll be um, it'll be hugely entertaining. Yeah. Uh, and do keep those comments coming into us. Uh, after the ads, though, Anna Capeless is going to chat to us about Ireland Six Nations clash against France in Cork tomorrow. And during the ads, you're going to hear a clip from the Women's Six Nations show. Alison Miller and uh, the ever energetic Fiona Hayes in conversation with Richard during the week in the Six Nations show is with Vodafone, main sponsor of the Irish rugby team. We all belong to the team of us. We're back after these. OTB AM. The Sports Breakfast Show from Off the Ball. Glad to see the goalkeepers getting the benefit of the doubt. Um, <laughs> you always get the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> that is not true. Like, when, I feel like the referees get together and have a meeting, right? I honestly think this happens. And in those meetings, they either have, okay, I want you to be quite lenient. I want you to give the goalkeepers the benefit of the doubt. I want you to punish, blah, blah, blah. Because it just seems to be a little trend that goes on. Keep up to date with all the WSL action every Tuesday and subscribe to the feed in the OTB Sports app now. Do you add in a little bit of gamesmanship? Do you just <laughs> want to slow things down in that respect or uh, when uh, between players or, or how do you go about that? How do you go about needling and annoying a team of that calibre? I think all of the above and I mean like you got to be smart and you got to like hit them hard and and it's not being dirty. It's not being like bringing the game into disrepute or any of those things. It's just being smart. Mm. It's like um, as you said, you know, it's it's even if you're an attack and you get a chance to clear them out of the rock and clear them hard, or if you're tackling someone, you're you're holding them down the ground a little bit longer, maybe than you should, and you're you're making sure that you're there and you know you're keeping them on the ground and you're getting it back up in the line, but you're keeping them on the ground and it's getting up hard, it's you know hitting them hard and yeah, like it is those things you got to do that. It's it, it's a game of physicality, and if you can. Um, get inside their head physically, but also a little bit of niggle stuff. That that can all in a game where you know so much is in your head as well to get up for things. One hundred percent, you do those things. OTB AM with Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave or your money back. Neon Night Edition available now. And you can check out that full piece we go up to our YouTube channel as well. Delighted to say we're going to uh, look ahead to the game now in the company of the former Ireland forward, Anna Capeless. Morning, Anna. Morning, lads. How are you? Flying it. How are you getting on? Good. I have a question for you. Yeah. Do you ever get sick of talking about sport? No. <laughs> and then when we get sick of talking about sport, Anna, we get to talk about other stuff, it turns out. So that's, uh, that's all good too. You're unreal, lads. No jeepers. Like, you're unreal. Like, whenever I listen to him, like, how do they know so much about every sport, in and out, every day, Ah, you're di- um, our egos, Anna. Our I wouldn't egos. confuse our knowledge of sport with our ability to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> I won't, as long as you don't confuse mine. <laughs> C- certainly, in my case, come here. Oh, it, it, I hope Cork is going to be good to us tomorrow. I, uh, as a viewing experience last weekend, I sort of felt that like it wasn't pretty to look at, and there might have been a floating audience who came in, particularly for the first half, and thought, "Right, well, that's me uh, done here." And that there's obviously a danger of that. What are you um, on the face of it? Tomorrow isn't going to be any prettier, but what are you expecting? Um, I'm hoping for a good Cork crowd, if for nothing else, like the people who've kind of 
stuck with women's rugby and, and been invested. And yeah, I think there's a danger that that you could lose kind of any momentum that might be coming across from, you know, the excitement around the men's Six Nations and the under 20s and all the rest. And um, I know my, my, my sister texted me to say she was looking for tickets and that she and my other sister were going to go because the girls need all the support they can get. And like, that's lovely to, to hear, you know, mm. from, from someone I know. And I hope that others in the rugby community in Cork and kind of surrounding areas will feel the same in terms of rugby. Yeah, look, and, and I, I listened to bits of what um, Fiona and Ali were talking about and goodness, they know so much as well. They're, they're so brilliant. And they were saying, and I really agree with them that like, defensively if you can hold France out and kind of stem the flow and not make it kind of a situation where you're like oh another one oh another one like if you can really like and and, and Ireland are well capable of that with the players that they have you know and and you know I've got I've, I've been talking all week and and in the lead up to Six Nations as well about Neve Jones, Sam Monaghan, Nicola Friday, like the big physical Linda as well Linda and Jungang like the big physical players that we have that doesn't matter who the opposition is, they can put in massive hits and massive tackles. We didn't see it from them last week, so I actually am I'm taking that as like a, a positive in that Ireland didn't play as well as they could last week. So we know there's way more in them, especially defensively, and like big hits that those girls can put in, where you you know you're making an offensive tackle that they got, you know, they got huge stats on that last year. The Irish girls did like big offensive tackles that really adds something to your defence. And I'm just hoping for a um, a good performance and whatever they work on this week, that they're able to deliver on that. And they're not going to be able to fix everything overnight, but whatever they've decided, right, this is going to be our um, bread and butter for this week. Put it into practice. We deliver on the day and next week we'll focus on something else. Alison was talking about that um lack of physicality almost as part of mentality she was talking about her attitude I suppose and like that she was sure that we'd be better in that regard tomorrow like it felt surprising that we wouldn't be full on with in that whatever but anything else but like that your attitude or your mentality would be right going into that Wales game have you been part of squads before where you just felt for whatever reason it wasn't right in the day and then something within such a tight turnaround is, uh, is fixable or what's your experience of that? Yeah, and I think I, I have. And I think that it's kind of t- typical typical of us, like of, of the Irish girls, to kind of pull something out of the bag. And then you're kind of like, oh, where was this last week? Or people watching would have been like, where was this last week? Or, but it's not as easy as that. And sometimes it's easy as, as easy as like when your back's against the wall and you've, you know, nothing to lose, essentially. You just go for it. And yeah, I've been in... in I remember going to England and like, especially when it's teams like England and France and you know how, you know, physical they can be and how much, you know, they're, they're, they could potentially put on you if you don't deal with them defensively. I remember going to England a few years ago and we played like kind of really conservatively. And I think it was due to the fact that we were um, so kind of trying to focus on like, okay, let's not do anything wrong here. So let's just kind of keep, whereas actually you need to just go for it, like whether that's defense or attack. And I think you can, that's definitely something you can turn around because that's something you can fix within, you know, you see that change from a first half to a second half. Mm. You can, you see that change from the first 10 minutes to the following 10 minutes in a game, like physicality dropping in and out. And it comes from different moments in games that give you 
you know, an inside spark. So if you can fix it in from one half to the next, you can definitely turn that around within a week. Yeah. It's fascinating, and even writing in, the, in Echo Live about, I guess, the dearth of experience in the Irish squad naturally compared to some some countries. I think you made the point that Nicola Friday, the most experienced with, with what, 29 caps to her name uh, around this time. Mm-hmm. So that's something that, that nearly has to be taken into context when we're talking with this Irish team, that they are, in some cases, years behind other nations. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, if we look at where we are now and like if, if when we're talking, you know, analysing the men, you know, going and preparing for a World Cup like this year and talk so much of the conversation around the Six Nations was with the World Cup in mind. So if we talk about the World Cup that's coming up for for the girls in two and a half years and like Ireland has to be there, we just have to be there. Like there's no ifs or buts here. Um, we... What we're building now is is the experience. And like there's already a lot of changes from last week to this week. And that already is kind of like, yes, some of those changes are warranted. And some of those are very, I was a bit surprised by some of them. But I just want to see like more consistency. And also there's more conversation around like sevens in, sevens out, whatever that means. But essentially, like we have to start um giving consistent like opportunities to players and like we only have the six nations and and I was talking about the the experience and the difference between teams in con- in context of um Sarah Hunter last week retired with 141 caps for England the most English rugby player uh the most appearances of any English rugby player men or women and that comes down to yes how long she's been around but also like the playing opportunities presented by the RFU, like for that team, like how often they had tours, summer tours, November International, Six Nations, something else. Like the union was constantly looking for opportunities to play and Ireland haven't. And we've got to change that. Like I'm I'm here, I'm actually flying out to Madrid today because I'm going to go down and see the... Um, uh, I'm living in Spain currently, so I'm going to go down and see the Four Nations um, uh, tournament that they've got going concurrently. So South Africa, Spain, USA and Canada are playing uh, two game series last weekend and this weekend. South Africa played a game against Wales and Wales organised that with South Africa to get a game in before going out into the Six Nations. Why didn't Ireland get in touch with anyone, Spain, USA, Canada, like one of those teams to organize the same thing. Because last week, like we saw a lot of kind of changing around positions. Um, <laughs> I know that looks so well, you know, like Hannah O'Connor came onto the pitch and you know, when you have four back rows and one second row and all the back rows look at each other and they're like, who's going to go in? Mm. <laughs> maybe they didn't, maybe they knew, but I felt like that would have been me. Like, cause that's the stuff that you do in a warm up game, not in your first game in the six nations. So I just I, I just want to see way more proactivity and not just reactivity in terms of like, oh, other teams are doing it, so we should be doing it. Our, the RFU needs to be like, okay, more playing opportunities, games, 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 experience, like, and just full steam ahead into whatever is coming up, be that WXV, 
World Cup, Six Nations, whatever. I just want to see us playing more. Yeah, because certainly, like in terms of that change, like there's, there's an awful lot of play here. There's the stuff that you're alluding to there, to there on the structural side, and then there's obviously at the minute for the coaching staff and the team that are there, the weekly churn of we've another game coming up, and like it definitely, what sprung to mind as you were chatting about the changes that have been there from the Irish point of view was the Warren Gatland comes into the Wales uh, camp late for the men's Six Nations, and he's every week new fifteen, new fifteen, chop and changing. From the outside looking into that, it was like, well, this guy doesn't seem to really know what he's doing. He didn't be able to land on uh, what his 15 are at, and it feels a small bit like that. Talk to us about one of the, the Dan O'Brien, particularly maybe a 10, such a pivotal position, and like, it's, it's, it's um, the exact embodiment of what you're talking about um, over the last number of years. We just haven't been able to settle on, a, on an out-half, but you did come on against Wales, obviously, and in some ways has the ideal skill set um, for a game like France, where she can kick a bit of territory and try and just release that pressure valve when it when inevitably comes on with, with regularity? Yeah, absolutely. Because um, there's no kind of shakier feeling on a pitch than when you're under the pump. And when we go to kick, we don't get the kind of release of pressure where they get a, you know, a line out for just as far back as where they had been uh, attacking from initially anyway. So I think that, yeah, they'll use her a lot and, and she'll... She, can try different things. I like that about her. She's she's brave, and I think that you know young players particularly bring in a kind of a a braveness that uh you know maybe you get when you get older you're a bit like okay I know what's going on here so these are our plans where she's just like fresh into it. No, she's got some caps in 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 Japan, and that's what that tour was for. You know to discover these players and see what they can do, and this young you know a young heart like that coming in, and and uh, especially in such a key position like ten is um massive for her and like I'm really going to see her to see her start and see how she controls it and hopefully that you know almost almost like blissfully ignorant that you're like I don't care who I'm coming up against here France England whatever I don't I've no previous experience in this Six Nations setup so I'm just going to play how I play and I want to see that from her and I think that her kicking was really good last week and and uh, I want to see more of that from her. Saif McGrath is an interesting one Anna like I mean Debut last week, 18 years of age. I know she's very highly thought of up in uh, Derry and, and by everyone at Ulster as well. Um, but that was a tough experience for her last week because <clears throat> she seemed to be targeted almost by, by an experienced Welsh pack. Um, and, and she's out of the team. She's back onto the replacements this weekend. But it, it's, a tough, it's a tough awakening when you, when you enter senior Six Nations rugby for the first time. Yeah, and you know I, I, I was chatting earlier in the week about this that I'd love to see... What I'd love to see from Simon McGrath is her thriving in an under-20 side, mm. you know, and we don't have that. We don't have that. And even I was thinking about this earlier because obviously um, uh, France are coming to Cork and it's funny, like the, the, the French, the French women's team are kind of similar to the men's team. You never really know what they're going to come with, you know, and people say, oh, the French don't travel well and all these kind of things, but it's just, it's because the French kind of, they either crumble or they thrive and, and, and it's so hard to know. But in terms of like um, experience and match day experience, like when you go down to France, <laughs> my first Six Nations away game was down in France and they give you the small dressing room. They give you one toilet, which isn't, which doesn't even have a toilet bowl. It's like that, you know, that hole in the ground. 
<laughs> that you come across when you're on holidays in France sometimes in a, in a little old man's pub. And it's like, they're absolutely like messing with you and they, they don't care. And like, that's one thing that they, they've taken out of France's hands this time around because they have to come to Cork. And I, I don't think there's any holes in the ground down in Musgrave Park for toilets. But all those things, pre-game prep, um, and this is talking about, you know, I know you're talking about the match, but like all the things that lead up to the match. Imagine if you could experience all those as a team, as an under 20 side, and then coming into a senior side without having to worry about even those things. So now you're talking about the scrum. Yeah, rude, like rude awakening, maybe baptism, baptism of fire, definitely. She handled it as well as she could and they definitely target her. I would, if I was, if I saw a young player in another team, I'd target her. Uh, as well and like let's go for her like let's you know let's show her what it really means to be here like she she'll have learned from that definitely but on the pitch off the pitch just would love to see girls coming in that you know have been through this um in an under 26 nations Mm. and I, I, i want to see that i want to see that down the line for us and and we should be looking at Saif mcgrath like and how how she's performing with an under 20 side, like, wow, I can't wait to see her. Like, you know, if, if, if you weren't watching the, the Interpros, you'd never have seen her play before. And so you'd only know what to expect from her, even as a spectator. Um, and she's, uh, you know, she did as well as she could. And now people are like, oh, she's on the bench. So maybe, you know, maybe it wasn't the right call to start her last week. I don't know. Um, it's hard to know. I would prefer to see um, Christy starting, like the, the, the front row we have this week with Saif coming in. That's what I would have preferred to see, just to, to give her a bit of a... You see how the game is going and then you can come in and make your impact. Mm. But um, it definitely... I think, I, I think... I'm hoping that the scrum this week will kind of be... Uh, coming up against a French scrum, it's, it's difficult, but it'll be slightly more settled, I think, because they'll have just a bit more experience on the pitch off the pitch, leading into it and how to handle it and then how to react to it. And then Saif can come in when 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 it suits the management, when it suits the game and when it suits her. Mm. Uh, Shane mentioned earlier on your piece in the Echo this week, a really interesting read on it. Uh, covers a lot of bases around that leak of caps, particularly from the... It's something that Stuart Lancaster talks about regularity, about needing that breath of caps across the team. Um, it also talks about your own decision to step away. Um, and you spoke about the players, and I'm quoting here, who, like me, decided that they cannot continue to put their happiness, self-worth and mental health in the hands of a union that's failed again and again to show the players the respect they deserve. Very strong words. Uh, yeah. And it was um, difficult for me to write that and put it out there, but um, it, it's it's essentially the the truth at the end of the day. And um, after like I had a kind of COVID didn't help, but for me my my uh, whole international career was very like inconsistency, like in out, dropped, selected, playing well, thought I'd never play again, come back, get player of the match dropped again oh like so up and down and it was very tough it's just the nature of the way it went for me you know and there's players like that and and just so you know just so happened that that was it for me and and when you know the the new management came in and I got a call that said you know that that I wasn't going to be involved I was like I can't I can't continue to do this to myself like um Mm. it was like torturous really L- lying awake at night wondering why 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 am i doing this like why 
I can't be myself, you know, and, and people who know me and, and know like kind of um, usually I'm, I'm, I'm like dancing and singing and kind of whatever, like I have, have uh, different things that I might bring to like a dressing room or to training or whatever. But when you have to go into, you know, a, a, a camp and, and kind of keep your head down and, and had to do that for so long. And I was like, I can't keep continuing to do that to, to, to myself because the selections were so you know you're doing everything to to play and I felt like even laughing at training might have lost me my spot it was it was so inconsistent you know mm-hmm. um so I yeah and I, I I think a lot of people felt for me I have to remind myself that it wasn't a it's not coming from a place of weakness it was coming from a place of strength for me to to finally say I'm not going to put my self-worth in the hands of anyone else anymore especially not in the hands of a coach who's not even going to give me an opportunity to to who just dropped me straight away without even seeing me um coming into the the come without inviting me into a camp so I, I just decided I can't and I stepped away and there's a lot of players like that who had the same thought process and took themselves out of the setup and and um went back to their careers or decided or haven't even taken themselves out of the squad and are still still not in there. So um, it's been a kind of a, a facet of 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 the women's game in Ireland for the past few years. And like we don't have when you look at Sarah Hunter and other players. I know I'm using her because she retired last week, but other players that have so many caps and just to have so many caps that aren't involved that could be um, is is uh is sad for me i find that kind of sad yeah that's totally understandable and i think that like i'm trying to put my finger on whether it's like a structural uh union thing or it's more of a management ticket thing um like have you any sense that the women in rugby report that came out at the end of last year is i I mean i don't know it doesn't sound like that's the sort of thing that it might uh might address your concerns um there's certainly a plan in place and i've been um, you know, following and, and um, seeing what's been going on. And it's exciting to hear, you know, a few things that are coming up for Ireland. And like, you know, there's an under 18 Six Nations Festival. It's like, great. And under 18 Ireland 15s team, wonderful. And, you know, a lot of other things that are in the pipeline for our Shogui. And I'm happy with that. I'm happy to see them coming. But I'm also very impatient and I'm I'm cynical and I'm I'm kind of, I'm already um, like, okay, fine, but I want to see it. Mm. And until I see it all in action and see the returns from it, I'm going to keep asking questions and, and keep feeling this way where I just want to demand more and um, I want more for the players and I want the players to be well looked after and happy and, and um, allowed to be themselves. And you're right, it's, it's, I, it's, not, you're not, it's not easy to say whether it's a structural thing, management thing, whatever, but it is a trend. And... Yeah, let's let's work in the report. Like, great to see like all these appointments across the provinces for talent ID and building the um, the experience in the provinces for women's rugby. But I'm gonna just keep hot on it to make sure that's happening and make sure that it's um, happening well. And I talk to the players a lot, and I talk to a lot of people, and I want to know about everything that's going on. I don't want to. For me, walking away from Ireland rugby as a player meant that. Okay, I've got nothing to lose now. I can ask the questions that I want to ask. Um, you know, be the be be the voice that maybe 
players don't have and, and express things that I would like to, to that I maybe would have liked to express as a player, but you can't because you could lose everything in a heartbeat. And um, I, I want to see it and I want to see it continue to grow. And I'm, I'm going to be like watching very carefully to see how it does grow. The decision to step away while like it sounds like you're very happy with that, obviously that it, it leaves you ultimately in a more rounded, better place uh, doesn't mean that it doesn't still hurt. Sounds like it does. Yeah, absolutely, it does. Yeah, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm actually, I'm, I'm, I'm really happy at the moment that I'm really able to enjoy these Six Nations games and and really like support the girls because last year I couldn't. I was in such a bad place. Um, I couldn't even follow the Japan tour. I was in. I was so broken hearted. Like I, I, I couldn't. So I'm, I'm really happy with where I am now, because I feel like yeah, I can contribute now. Um, but yeah, it does, and I, I, it does, it does still hurt, and I'm, I still have a lot of. Um, I suppose you'd call them regrets, but I'm, I'm not sure what I could have done differently either. And I think the, the comfort that I'm getting in it is that I want to be. I want to stay involved in women's rugby forever and I, I want to be a coach and I, I'm focusing on that as making me, you know, um, okay, if I, if I couldn't achieve it on the pitch, like how can I achieve what I want now? Mm. And it's too much of a cliche to say, well, that experience can, and ultimately that experience will probably put you in a better position down the track in terms of coaching and all that. But for now it doesn't, uh, it's, I'm sure it's no great um, consolation to you. Enjoy the, the rugby over the next few days um, and we uh, would definitely uh, welcome to have your voice back on here again to speak about whether it's structural issues or hopefully the aftermath of a win over France in Cork on, uh, on Saturday afternoon. Brilliant. Thanks a million, lads. Thanks a million, Anna. Thank, thank you. Cheers, Anna. 8.42am on this Friday morning's sort of pm Going to turn our attention to GEA and uh, delighted to say the former Cavan star Shawnee Johnson is back with us on the show this morning. Morning, Shawnee. How are things? Morning, man. How are you? Keeping well. Keeping well. Uh, so we're looking at the fixtures here. Tomorrow we've got the Division 4 final <clears throat> at Croke Park. 5 o'clock, Wicklow and Sligo, followed by your, yourselves, Cavan for Mana, uh, at 7.15. And then the Sunday doubleheader, of course, is the Division 2 and 1 finals. You've got Derry in Dublin at 1.45 and Mayo Galway at 4 o'clock. We might as well start with the Division 1 final, I suppose. Uh, Shawnee, um, uh, funny, Kean Johnson, who we work with, has been putting together a few notes. And uh, th- these two teams, their record in, in, in finals, national finals, isn't great. Galway have only won three of their last 13. Mayo have won two of their <laughs> last 20. Uh, and Galway not winning a league since 1981. Uh, who, who wanted more this weekend, Shawnee? It sounds like a stupid question, but Mayo have the, have the, of course, the championship to look to think of the following week. Yeah, but they've been forewarned, I think, about the pitfalls of not performing in a league final after last year. I think they got schooled last year by 15 points, 319 to 13 or something last year, and they never really recovered. I know they will say that they got a lot of injury problems last year and so on, but it's hard to recover from a beating like that. Um, As you say, Galway haven't won a league title since 81. Um, Both teams have struggled to win national titles, so... I think this is going to be a cracker because I don't see any other way. I know Mayo have a game in six days' time, but I think there's another thing to this that like both these teams can't make a provincial final, obviously. One of them is not going to make a provincial semi-final. So the team that finishes higher in the league or wins the league title will actually be seeded higher than the team to beat in the league final in the All-Ireland. So there's a couple of things up for grabs, but I think just winning a national title for either of these teams at this stage of their development would be huge. 
it's fascinating because it's it's the best attack against the best defence in Division One. So Mayo scored 126 points in the league campaign uh, to date. Galway have only conceded 81. So the matchups are going to be quite important. Um, Aidan O'Shea has kind of come into his own in this uh, league campaign. Found his best position, no doubt, at full forward. But Sean Kelly at fullback for Galway. Like we, we, I guess we're expecting those two to be to be on each other, but you just you just never know. No, you don't know, and I think if you know, and there'll be obviously a lot of planning and plotting this week. And you're you're looking at what Sean Kelly's going to do for Galway from an attacking sense on turnovers and so on. He's going to do exactly what he did. You'd imagine against Kerry, where he's just literally going to to bang forward as soon as that ball breaks down. He's going to go off Aiden O'Shea. So you know, Mayo don't want the situation where. Aiden is, is tracking 40, 50, and with Sean Kelly, it's potentially 70, 80 yards up the field, seven or eight times a half. So, you know, you're looking at your wing forwards here, whoever they play, probably Fionn McDonough and Jordan Flynn, that they are probably going to be warned that when Sean Kelly goes, your job is to track him as quickly as you can, and then a corner forward or Aiden O'Shea will drop out to, say, John Daly at centre-back or one of the wing-backs to, to stop him having to go up the field because he has been so prominent for Mayo and attack, he has given them a completely new uh, outlook in terms of how they can play. A lot of the times they would run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, and now they're just given that option to play those pops. And he's so physically strong. And the other thing for Aidan O'Shea, if Sean Kelly does pick him up, you know, if I was him, I'd be getting my hand up in the air as quickly as he can and looking for that ball in the air. If there's one area that Sean Kelly is, and I'm not even going to say it's a weakness because there's there seems to be very little weaknesses in him at the minute, but to try and exploit him physically in terms of size in the air because on the ground he is nearly unmatched in the country at the minute. You wonder if Galway worked on that, that, that long ball into the full-back line because we saw in the All-Ireland final last year, Shawnee, Kerry clearly came to Krug Park with, with that plan to kind of launch the ball on top of the Galway goalkeeper, Conor Gleeson. Uh, and to a large degree it worked. David Clifford picked up a lot of marks as well uh, in an attacking sense. So, I mean, you'd like to think that since, from a Galway perspective, since the All-Ireland final they've worked on that. Yeah, you'd imagine they would, but if you look at the Armagh League game this year, they got another very soft goal off it. Um, as you rightly mentioned, Clifford got as a couple of Hail Mary balls went in mm. that you know were not necessarily a training ground move, and Clifford went up and plucked it out of the skies. So uh, it's something that teams are definitely going to target because this Galway team are so well set up defensively. They're so compact when teams try and play in and around them and play through the lines and move it around. That this is a this is an area of concern for them. It's something that, as you rightly say, they got really exposed at in the All Ireland final last year. There has been snippets of exposure for them still in the league this year. So, you know, with their management team that's in place there, you can imagine they're putting a huge amount of work in. But it's not an easy fix. It's not. And and yeah, I look at the Galway team in recent games, and you're seeing players coming through like uh, John Mar and Tom O'Callaghan, for example. Robert Finnerty came off the bench as well. They do they do seem to have a strength and depth that maybe three, four, five years ago they didn't quite have. So they're kind of going from strength to strength. And then you see Damien Comer coming off the bench last week with his bionic leg. Like, almost adds an extra dimension, an extra ball in as well. Yeah, and he like he's obviously not as tall as Aidan O'Shea, but he gives them that physical presence in there. He gives them another option of how to play. You know, uh, Tierney has been phenomenal at wing forward. Finnerty was brilliant last year. Like, it really struck to me how good Finnerty is uh, when you saw what Derry did with Finnerty to put Chrissy McCaig on him, mm. you know, and you're looking at Rory Gallagher has openly come out and said Chrissy goes on who they perceive to be the other opposition's best forward, and they had 
uh, they had um, Shane Walsh and they had Comer. So Finnerty is highly rated by a lot of, you know, various shoot inter-county managers. Him coming back is a big thing for them. And like I say, Tierney has been outstanding. They're just, they have a lot of outlets to get scores. So if, if, if Walsh is held down, which is very hard done, someone else will pop up. up. If Comer's held down, which he was in the All-Ireland final, Walsh came up trumps. So they have a lot of strings to their bow, Galway. Would you be a bit worried about... Uh, sorry, worried is definitely overstating it, Johnny, but the Shane Walsh been kept scoreless the last day. I mean, maybe it's just the quality of opposition uh, from play. He's obviously... He's, maybe he's easing himself back in post-club, post-Australia, and this is just the way it has to go for the next couple of weeks. And once the championship kicks, kicks in, as you say, it gets pretty spicy and kind of pretty quickly. But once it kicks in, that we'll see um, a better version of him, or are you at all worried about that? I'm not I'm not one bit worried about, about Shane Walsh. He is just quality written all over him. Um, like, if you looked at the championship last year, like, yeah, he got a brilliant goal at one stage in, in Connacht against Roscommon, I think. But Armagh, he was fairly well held down. Derry, uh, McCluskey did a decent job on him. And then big day, All-Ireland final, just, you know, complete yeah. explosion of, of talent, class, everything that you look for on All-Ireland final day. And he has it in, in spades. So, uh, like, he's a really, really good player. You'd imagine this break will probably do him the world of good. All-Ireland uh, club title in his pocket, again, was held down reasonably well in the All-Ireland club final by Glenn. I'd say if the, you know, before that game, if Glenn had said, we'll hold Shane Walsh, to, I think he might have got a point from play, even if he got that, they would have said, just we're absolutely delighted with this. But no, no worries about him. I think this break will do him good. He's probably easing himself back in, as you say, and he'll be ready for the, for the White Heat Championship, I think. It's tough for us to really assess, I guess, in, in, in the last week or so where, where Mayo were at. In, in, I mean, a raft of changes for that six-point defeat to Monaghan in, in Castlebar. And, of course, Mayo had already secured Division 1 final. Monaghan were desperate to, to stay up. Um, so so can we can we kind of tell where they're at? Because when, when a team makes a lot of changes like that the week before a final, it, it kind of confuses us all because we don't really know where they're going to go with the team from here. Yeah, well, look, you imagine they're going to go... As strong as they can go on on uh, on Sunday, like Mayo were in a good place, um, but they still need a big performance this weekend, and and, and uh, they need to win this weekend as well, just mm-hmm. to just to cement all the positive work that has been done throughout the first six national league games. Now, I, I, if I was if you're doing the Mayo management team, you wouldn't be overly happy with last weekend. Yes, obviously Monon are coming to Castlebar, fighting for their lives, but a lot of Mayo players got opportunities to put their hand up whether that's to make the 15 or whether that's to make the 26. And they didn't really didn't really perform last week. So Mayo are going to, you'd imagine, go back to the tried and trusted of what they've been trying to do over the first first uh, six National League games. They have been very, very impressive. They've implemented a, um, a defensive structure that I haven't seen them have before with a couple of new uh, bodies in there. And look, they've lost, obviously, two brilliant defenders as well. But... You know, the last time I was on the show, I don't know what way I was feeling, but I tipped them to win the All Ireland, so I can't really <laughs> step away from it now. But this game is a big game for both teams on Sunday. The Division Two final that precedes it uh, on Sunday, Shawnee Cracker, Dublin Derry, um, all looking forward to this one as well. Um, and their game up in Owen Bay, I think it was, or Celtic Park, I can't remember which, but was it was a brilliant, brilliant game. Um, the, the the surprising element last week was was watching a certain Stephen Cluxton running out of the the Dublin dressing room. Uh, 41 years of age, out for a couple of years. We we hadn't heard any rumours of this, which to me in this day and age is quite remarkable with social media especially. Um, has this taken you massively by surprise? And I guess the second part of the question is, 
does he start? Because he's Stephen Cluxton. Hmm. Yeah, massively by surprise. But I think what I will say is, it, for me, that just shows the absolute trust and strength in this Dublin machine. And it's been, it's not just this year, it's been there for since 2013. It's unbelievable that, as you say, in this day and age, that that news did not break. Now, Desi Farrell has openly come out and said that Cluxton has been training for a few weeks. <clears throat> like, for anybody listening to that, it's so hard to believe that. And yeah, obviously, I do believe it. I take the man at, at his word. But for nobody to see that, witness that, and just a little whisper <clears throat> to come out of that camp is incredible. Does he start? No, I don't think he'll start. Um, David O'Hanlon has done done really, really well in the in the National League. Um, I watched him closely that day in Celtic Park and he was very good. But this is a cracker. I think this is an acid test for Derry. Uh, this has actually happened before. I think in 2014, in Division 1, Dublin went up to Celtic Park and lost. And then the National League final, they absolutely disposed of Derry very, very easy. I think I remember Bernard Brogan got a cracker of a goal, hammered them by about you know, 15, 16 points. And again, Derry never recovered. Now, it's important to note, boys, that this is a completely different Derry. And it's also an absolutely completely different Dublin than where they were in 13, 14, 15, 16. So I think it's going to be a cracker. It's the game I'm most looking forward to, I think, this year. It's not very often you go into Division One and Division Two National League finals where you have four All-Ireland, um, mm. real All-Ireland contenders playing. So it's really good at this early stage of the year. Shawnee, just one last one on Cluxon for me. There was a big debate on the football pod this week. Uh, Paddy saying that he couldn't possibly see how there would be a negative spin on this. James saying it could be a negative uh, in terms of the impact on the team. There's been so much debate about that question that you've answered there in relation to whether he should start or not. And actually a lot of his former colleagues, and I see Dean Rock in one of the papers uh, this morning saying that um, as well that he won't be happy to be in the bench. Just on that negative, positive thing, where do you sit on it? Absolutely positive. Um what a player. I, I know him particularly well from DCU. Great guy, so focused. Like um, With Stephen, will he be happy not to play? No. Will he allow that to fester in the group? Absolutely not, from my experience of him. Um, so he's going to add so much. David O'Hanlon has come in this year with very little experience. Imagine the learnings he can get off him. Also, imagine the competition it's going to bring in within those three goalkeepers in O'Hanlon, Comerford, and now Cluxton coming back in. To me, competition is still the most important facet of building a really, really competitive team that nobody is safe. You know, you would imagine there, David O'Hanlon, for the first X number of league games, Evan Comerford's injured. He knows he's going to play. Now there's a little bit, I need to work harder here. So to me, it can only bring positives to the Dublin camp. Uh, and also the quality he brings. It's not even what he's going to bring off the field. The quality that that man can bring on the field in terms of his kick-out strategies and so on. Now, even if he played this weekend, you mightn't see the best of him because Derry, Derry likely won't put a massive hard press on him. They'll go man-to-man, which they have done nearly all over the field in terms of kick-outs. And at times they'll give up kick-outs to him. But long-term, in terms of the championship, he could play a massive part. Just on that, that piece that you, you choose, you obviously have played with him and know him inside out. Johnny Sexton used to talk about um, not being too giving to the other uh, tens around the camp. I think that might have changed laterally in his career, but there was certainly a point where he didn't want to be um, showing them exactly all the all the good stuff. What's uh, What would Stephen Cluxon's approach to that be? <laughs> uh, give a little, but you know, there's still a little few tricks of the trade that he might want to give away. I get like the reality is he's fighting now. He has to fight for, for his place. He didn't 
you know, when I say he didn't have to do that, he obviously did have to do that, but he was so far ahead and his mentality was so far ahead and he was so driven. And that drive is something that's very, very difficult to lose. Does it wane potentially as the years go on and the body gets sore and so on? Yeah, but this man is made of different stuff. And we've seen that over the last 20 years. You look how far he has come from that famous day against Armagh years ago, I think in, in around, oh, oh, I'm going to say 04 or 02 maybe even. Uh, it was a long, long time ago when he when he kicked Stephen McDonald. And like there's always been a little competitive, sorry, a massive competitive spirit in, in Clucko. He's not coming back for any other reason than to win an All-Ireland and be on the field when Dublin win the All-Ireland. Mm. So, yeah, there's a fight on, on the hands for those three goalkeepers. And I'm saying it's one that he's very, very fully focused on winning. Uh, finally for me Shawnee um, so mentioned the Division 3 and 4 finals of course uh, Andy Moore not happy with some of the injury time played last weekend for uh, Sligo beat Leitrim um, but but really good performance from Sligo overall and Leitrim did come back into the game Oshin McConville doing fascinating things with, with that Wicklow team in his first year as well uh, your own County Cavan in the Division 3 decider uh, against Fermanagh in that, that game last week I don't know was it a bit of shadow boxing but Fermanagh got a good win uh, against Cavan on that occasion you might just give us maybe a, a quick prediction then in, in, in four words or slightly more if you want one, two, three and four who's winning each final? Um, well, Cavan uh, <laughs> let's, start, let's start at Division 3 then go on <laughs> uh, this is a massive game for Fermanagh Fermanagh have, have never won a national title they've done great work to get promotion but to, to win a medal in Co-Park would be absolutely huge Cavan are, are definitely not wanting to go into Armagh slash Antrim you'd have to say more than likely Armagh in three or four weeks' time on the back of three defeats to Ulster opposition. So both teams are fighting for a huge prize here. I, I think Cavan will win. Um, Division 4 final is, I think, Sligo will win, but Oshin has done unbelievable work with Wicklow. Sligo have no national title either, so it's amazing you're going into on to Saturday with two teams that have never actually won a national title, mm. never mind won a national title in Crow Park. So there's huge prizes up for stake. I think Wicklow won one in 2012, but... Like they're not there every year. This is going to bring a huge buzz. There'll be a good crowd in Crow Park on 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 uh, on Saturday night, um, and I'm hoping for two big games. But I'm going to go with Sligo and Cavan. And Division One and Two, in two words. Gary, <laughs> um, just and oh, Galway. Right. Interesting. But I think Mayo will win the All Ireland. <laughs> yeah, they'll bounce back. Uh, well, I think Mayo won the National League in 2001 and Galway went on to win the All-Ireland, so could be could be a reversal of that for sure. Uh, Shawnee, great stuff as always. Thanks a million. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Have a good day. Brilliant. Catch up again soon. Shawnee Johnson there, former Cavan footballer. Interesting stuff. Yeah. Uh, which Cavan turns up is probably a conversation for another day. Yeah. Uh, Fire Pit is up next. What is it called, Friday Fire Pit? Friday Fire Pit. Friday Fire Pit. Friday. So we just put a bit more thought into dominating the comments box this morning. <laughs> you got to call it like it is. It's Friday, like what? The Friday Fire Pit. This really needed more breaking news. Breaking news. News just in. John Fallon, uh, reporting football writer John Fallon. Katie McCabe's injury-enforced absence against USA in Austin, Texas, April 8th. Ends the sequence of 63 consecutive Ireland periods stretch it back seven years. But the big news, swelling and bruising of the foot, no fracture. Back in a few weeks, and the country can exhale and breathe a sigh of relief. Kathleen, Cameron, welcome. Ooh. I kind of want to start applauding whenever you said that and just sit mm. in the corner and be, yes, come back. So it was a bit of an Evan Ferguson precaution, boot on, 
Mm. But everything's grand. You should have. You should have made noise because uh, Fox were kind of going. They were gasping when the indictment of Trump news came through last night. You could hear them going. <gasps> well, if you're a bit camera. closer, I would have touched your knee. <gasps> oh, like oh yes, in a theory. Adrienne Henri. Mm. Yeah, exactly. that'd have been fantastic. But uh, anyway, that's amazing. No, it's great news. Um, I saw the lads having a chat last night on PM about whether McCabe, if she was missing for the World Cup, would it be similar to Roy Keane missing in Saipan? thought it was an interesting discussion that they were having. Uh, bad news for Arsenal is the only thing. Uh, they play City at the weekend. Yeah, they are really going to miss her. Whatever. Yeah. If she doesn't, apart from, there's three people in the studio who couldn't care less if she doesn't play for Arsenal for the rest of the season. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, well, yeah. Well, it's a bit like the Johnny Sexton thing ahead yeah. of the World Cup, you know. Yeah. Should is it differently about that one? Better there. to not have her playing for the rest of the season and coming in fresh and ready to go for the World Cup, or is it better to have the game time under your belt? I feel like with football, it's slightly different, and I feel like you kind of need that sort of match sharpness in a different way than with rugby. When is the Champions League final? Ooh, May. May. It's like mid-May, so I think. Good, 18th or good, something. good chance you'll be back. I mean, well, if, if they get there. Yeah. Um, I think the so that is, is good. Like we can all we can all rest easy again. Can yeah. I just say general one in the fire pit? Mm-hmm. So general comment. I've got a uh, got a lot of messages this week. Okay, which you, you might be surprised to hear that. A uh, <laughs> lot, lot of messages. Um, yeah, some some negative, some positive. But uh, it's been it's been a week where I've got a few messages about the fire pit as well, and they're the only ones. I'm only choosing to focus this week, guys, on the on the positive. Yeah, uh, because at the end of the day, as I said, we're floating on a positive ball of, messages. Well, yeah, of course, we're, we're we're floating on a ball of rock through space here right now. So there's no point focusing on negative stuff, but. Certainly, from a fire pit perspective, got a few people saying. Good week for the fire pit. Keep the fire pit yeah, going. Yeah, Keep it going. It's uh, it, it needs a bit of work. Maybe some people have said, but it's it's getting there. All right. Yeah. Week on week, I think. What, what's their critique? What's yeah, their that feels critique? like a bit of a. I yeah. don't know. Maybe. Do you want to go back and find out what they would? I'll, 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 I'll double check with them. But I think they're they're happy with the progression that, the, that they've shown so with far. The needs a bit of work. Comments coming from Bullum Kuhig or other yeah, burner accounts, possibly. Okay. We but sometimes a bit of work can be byword for. Scrap that and do something else with your No, no, people said keep it going. Keep it okay, lit. Okay. Yeah, so keep trying. Right, oh, well. Let's crack on. Uh, on that note. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> let's. Uh, All yours. Just thinking about this this week. Um, going through the mind of Cameron Hill can be a dangerous prospect at times. But um, We're only into it and you've already spoken about yourself in the third person. There's, we we need to call this out. Why? See it every, What's wrong with this? That's something that we should call out generally. Yeah. People talking about themselves in the third person. Uh, you know, uh, oh, it's going Hannon into my mind. Yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. It's we more lyrical. Know. It's, it's a very know. Cameron thing to do. You do think about, do, or you do talk about yourself in the third person quite a bit. Yeah, <laughs> well, I think you know. it's okay as, as good colleagues for us to say, Stop that just, now. No, no, just to say that's that's happening and you can decide after that what, mm. you, what you would like to do with that information. Worst in, like intervention ever. Mm. Look, we've noticed you're, you're indulging and you do what you want with that information. Exactly. Um, but I was thinking about like the match day experience because we've, you know, between various different games that have come and are to come between the Ireland-France on Monday night and there's a big All-Ireland um, Champions Cup clash coming tomorrow Leinster-Ulster there's the league final this weekend next week Bowes Rovers I was thinking about what is your ideal match day like the process that goes into that so you know how do you form the day when does the day begin for you are you going for pints before the game after the game do you get them during um, that kind of thing so Adrian Question. maybe you can take us through well I think I'll let Kathleen kick us off here I'm oh, oh. I'm, uh, passing the baton along absolutely <laughs> all the way over to well Sappy. I think it kind of depends on what sort of like what match you're going to so like mm. if it's something if it's a all Ireland final or I don't know 
Champions League final or something that your team is in and you're really anxious and nervous for it. I think that's very different to like, I don't know, going along with a couple of your mates to a game that maybe doesn't matter all that much or a team you don't support. Um, I can't say I actually have any sort of regular schedule. Like, it kind of depends match to match what I do. Depends um, on the timing of the match. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Like, if it's early in the day, you're probably not going for a couple of pints beforehand. Um, What's your ideal kickoff time well, or throw-in time if you're going to get as much into the day as possible? I think uh, afternoon. I think a three or a four o'clock kickoff. I like a half five. A half five is a, yeah. I'd love, like, a really random, like, a, like a 4.37pm kickoff or something. <laughs> <laughs> no, just give me just or a, switch it up. Why do we stick to these? A URC seven twenty five kind of really weird bus timetable yeah. kickoff. TV times mm. five minutes of build up, <laughs> straight in, and it's all in Irish anyway, so you can't understand it. I think it does depend. Like if I'm going to a, a Monaghan match in Clonus or at home, I'm generally not having a pint. I'm just going to the match and watching the match. That's the other thing as well. If you have to travel, yeah. If you're, but if you're going to a big Monaghan match in Croke Park, you know, I'm going. I'm having a few pints. So it depends entirely on I the context. I think your camera is saying that. Uh, let's take the Crow Park experience. Then, yeah, that's, yeah. That, well, that, 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 that's definitely a pint. That's definitely a couple of pints beforehand. If you go to a match in England, it's a weekend. There, there it's are a other things event. to do. I, 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 we've, you know, what's your ideal? Ask four Irish people what's their ideal match day experience, and all you will get is chat about pints. pints. Yeah, no, 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 yeah, half yeah. and half scarves as well. Um, yeah, that's one thing I wanted to ask. Are you, if you're getting a memento from the day? Are you taking a scarf or a match day program, or what's your? Are you taking the? You know, some places have branded cups for the pints. Mm. Is that your memento for the day? What would be the ideal one? It's the memories, obviously. Oh yeah, just, just <laughs> yeah, take yeah. photographs. Well, I mean, famously, anyway. we can't take yeah, photographs. Right, yeah. so, well, not during the match. We photograph police over here, of course, yeah. before <laughs> and after the match. Tell you exactly how you should behave in a match. I have, I have probably hundreds. It's heading for the thousands of programs at home. Uh, like from dad kept programs from the seventies, eighties, nineties, like right through. I've What's the plan for them? I don't know. Pass them on to my kids, who will no doubt, as soon as I shuffle off this mortal coil, uh, put them into a big pile and burn them, um, mm. or sell them on eBay for for two euro each. Um, I don't know. Say I say something controversial. Were you? I'm over programs. Oh no, Cameron, uh, you can't I'm, say that. Uh, there was a time and a place where I was like, I have to get a program, and now. Do you mean? Do you mean? Like, but you would still buy a program when you get there, or no? No. Oh, wow. Wouldn't anymore. It's controversial. If there my was program, a point, yeah. If they get water damaged, or as in the case with the Latvia game last week, mine got beer damaged, it actually rips apart my soul a little bit. I'm like, mm. it actually You're hurts me. you around to try and find another one. You're trying to, but you, it, sometimes mm. they're not there. Mm. It's, yeah. it's, it's not, not easy. The half and half scarf thing, we brought it up this morning before the show. Like, I, I did, I was at a Manchester United match before at Old Trafford. I think it was a Sevilla game in the Champions League years ago uh, when United got knocked out. In the Bishop Blaze pub, near, right beside Old Trafford before the match, I'm wearing this, this scarf is uh, half Republic of Ireland and half, it's Irish Reds, basically. There's a there's United element to the scarf as well. Uh, and I was told in no uncertain terms by a woman who came up to me to get out. Wow. <sighs> take it off or get out and uh, security came over and I explained to them this is an Irish you know this this isn't Liverpool, Liverpool or Sevilla <laughs> this, is not, this is not a uh, there's no other club on the other side of this scarf so I think that's that, that uh, woke me up to the perils of half and half scarves and how people have some very strong opinions on them I'm a sucker for a half and half my thoughts on programmes? No, half and half scarves. Oh, half and half scarves. Uh, I really don't have that much of an opinion on them. Like, I think people get very precious about it and mm. I don't really understand it, especially, like, Shane, to be fair, you did say earlier that if you're going to, I don't know, United Liverpool and you have a half and half and you're a United fan, it's a bit weird. But I also think 
it's like the whole thing of a half and half. It's kind of like a jersey that has the date on it. You know, it, yeah. it's like a memento of the match. And it's not so much saying I support the team. It's I was at Old Trafford and I watched United Liverpool on this date. And, you know, I, I don't know. I just I feel people get hepped up about them for no particular reason. But then the half and half scarves have the crest of both clubs, whereas those jerseys will have will just be the jersey of the team and a little reference to the to the date and the match. Yeah, but it's you're not, like not a half, ne- half jersey. But like, it's, you're not necessarily saying by having one that you like support. You know, you're not saying like you support United less because half the scarf is Liverpool. Like, it could just be a memento of the match and mm. like mm. this is a game I went to see and these are the two teams that were playing, or like I don't know. Even if it's outside of that, if you're I don't know, I might go over to. Spain and see El Clasico and oh, yeah. I have like a I that's okay. Madrid Barcelona half and half scarf. Spanish, if, if you were Spanish, it wouldn't be okay. If at you were all. A Spanish version of Shane, there you'd be like, oh, I don't know. Boy, I think it's one of those. Things, where's the Monaghan of Spain again? That I think is just kind of like fan policing in my head. A little like, bit. Let like, people um, do what they want. My brother and I have amassed quite a collection of scarves now because he's taken over my mantle at the Viva stewarding gig. So oh, yeah. we've collected like. This last couple of months, we've got an Ireland Latvia, an Ireland France. We're really looking forward to getting an Ireland Gibraltar scarf. That's going to be like the pinnacle of the collection. But um, I think scarves are, are great. I think Shane feels very strongly about this. But in the company that he's in, who've all said, "Who really cares?" He's reluctant. Well, to no, hold on. Like, if the Republic of Ireland are playing Latvia like last week, someone came up to me and said, "Do you want to buy a half and half scarf?" And I was like, "No." Um, but if the Republic of Ireland are playing Brazil. That's a novelty fixture, and the little bit of yellow looks kind of cool. What? I'm going to buy that scarf because I that's, would argue so that you're an there's so many asterisks. Is much more of a novelty. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Than no, no, sorry, no, novelty. He's Play, an alicard apologist. Playing Brazil is like a that's a that's an event. That's a thing. That's a social. That's like everyone knows Brazil are a good football mm. team, but Latvia is like a ass. But you can't say you'd buy one for that and then judge someone who would buy an Ireland Latvia one either. Oh, oh I will. I can and will. <laughs> I just oh, think I, it's it's I can't entirely. Stone Age stuff. Just who cares? Sorry, if go on, move it on then if you want. They're, they're, they, look, let's face it; they are generally for kids, right? And kids will <laughs> and kids at heart, and they will absolutely love them. And if an adult wants to buy one, don't start telling them to get out of a pub because they're wearing a half and half scarf. Cop yourself on; you're an adult. That's fair. Yeah, <laughs> that wasn't specifically aimed at you, but maybe including you. Yeah, <laughs> of you're, you're part aimed of the at problem, the woman from yeah. your story. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> you get another topic. Um, I was kind of. While I was supposed to be doing work out there earlier, um, when someone mentioned the coffee World Eleven and kind of sparked me into life, um, Brayburn. Well, we, Bra- all, we, we all dream of a. They, of it's a jersey with the Gary Brayburn. Yeah. Gary Brayburn <laughs> could say <laughs> almost. Yeah. It would have the Brayburn sponsor on. I think the Brayburn sponsor looked nice on a jersey. Um, but I was thinking of like what coffees would play each position. So I think you'd have like a centre back pairing of Americanos. For instance, because they're hard and hard, like no, no BS yeah. with an Americano. An espresso is like your flashy centre forward. Yeah. Macchiato on the wing. Macchiato on the wing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Latte, latte, goalkeeper. No. See, I think latte. Yeah, as a goalkeeper, because they're a little bit stodgy, aren't they? Yeah. As well, like what a flat frappuccino. Frappuccino. Ooh, frappuccino's on the bench. Frappuccino is the player who got the big transfer and then didn't work out. Baby Chino in the academy. 
Baby Chinos in the cottage. The Baby Chinos is our... Uh, of all the things I thought I would 20s. spend my morning doing, <laughs> I know. this is fully not... I also, because of where I'm sitting, I feel like I'm just like off to the side and I'm like, Shipping, am I, am I dreaming? On. Did I actually get out of yeah. bed this where morning? You, where <laughs> would you... Uh, I think the central attack... When I said, do we have another topic, this isn't exactly what came into my head, but this is... It's a fascinating tangent. Yeah, I know. I just thought, like... I'd love to see an espresso we haven't banging a few goals. Yet. I'm not happy that we've, we've landed... Well, cappuccino. Will Cappuccino be a goalkeeper? Yeah, could be. A bit too messy. bit too much messing around. Yeah, yeah, but like, I don't know. Extremely hot. Like the hot-headed goalkeeper. I'm thinking like Pickford would make a great cappuccino. Extra hot cappuccino. Y- yeah, yeah, yeah. Extra dry. Where have we gone here? Where have <laughs> no we gone? Idea. See, you don't need <laughs> just fire to warm up. Coffee can do it as well. But, um... What else do we have on the <laughs> I'm looking today. at you right now, man. This is all yours. Are you, did you pick your squad number earlier from earlier's chat? Uh, I didn't really. I wouldn't be that attached. I can see all the numbers are lovely. <laughs> so, they're, they're, sure, they all have lovely numbers. They are, yes. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, Adrian is very much taking the sit back and just like <laughs> let everything happen approach this morning. Beautiful things about this. Let people do what they want to do. I don't care about numbers. The overused, uh, the cliches in sport was one thing we, might, we briefly mentioned before the show as well that, mm. you know, Phrases that are commonly used. I think you had a couple of examples. Oh yeah, my my, I hate the phrase. You can't be missing those. Or you, you almost did it too well. Got to hit the target. And, and, uh, you can't be missing those shots. Surely you can't miss any shot because what's the point otherwise? If you were to remove the cliches and from sport and those phrases that were used all the time or the stuff that doesn't make any sense, there'd be not much left. No, 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 no. But I think the. There are some that really, really frustrate me. Mm. Like, uh, you can't be missing those. I think legend is used way too much. Yeah. About D- every Dummy team. Dummy team. Bogey team. The town end. I'm just looking at GEA cliches here. There, there, are, there are a lot of those. Mm. Like, <laughs> Well, the town, you were talking, Kathleen, the other week. You were like, oh, come on, the town. And I was like, why is Kathleen talking about it alone? <laughs> sure, look at, sure every look town at in Ireland, I think, has a, they're the town. Dundalk, yeah, say yeah, they're yeah, the town. town. Dundalk town, yeah, at Lone Town. Monaghan Town, would you say? Come Ma- on the town. Come on the town. We'd say come on the town. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's like United. Newcastle. Support United is. <laughs> yeah. It's a very flexible. Like you're you're getting a lot of terms in there. Mm. Other cliches. That um, I don't like. That was another episode of the fire pit. What's called Friday fire pit? Fire pit Friday. So we just put a bit more thought into dominating. This will be You gotta call it like it is. Friday, like fun. The Friday fire pit. All right, that is uh, yeah. There we are. Uh, quarter past nine, and you're watching Got to BM. We are here every weekday morning, as you're aware at this stage. And uh, all with thanks to Gillette Labs, get the ultimate shaver, your money back. Neon Night Edition is available now. Here's some highlights coming up at the Got to Be Podcast Network today. John Giles, the Women's Six Nations show uh, with Alison Miller, and um, in, chat, uh, in chats with Nathan, uh, Nathan Richie during the week. And uh, League of Ireland match day is up there as well. Uh, you can follow Got to Be across social and subscribe to the Got to Be Podcast Network after the break. Uh, we're doing a thing with Jess Kelly and we will figure out exactly what that is after the break which is in relation to hello there <laughs> the dark, dark screen welcome uh, along ooh, here. Yeah. Jess Kelly good morning to you hi how's things 
Um, things have been okay up to this point, I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Um, the machine is configuring itself here, and I'm sure it'll be fine. I'm so happy um, that it's doing that, because I came in two hours early to make sure that all this stuff happened before we came on air. Yeah, no, no, that was good. You did really well, because otherwise the slot would not happen now, and hopefully it updates itself in the final 4% very shortly. Um, our audience, when you were in here a month ago, were, you know, they've been in touch every single day since then, mm-hmm. saying, when are you going to make this slot happen? So this yeah. is the fruition of the last month of work. Yes, it's, it's been a long time coming. But What's for, for those who didn't know, we have the PSVR 2, so that's the PlayStation Virtual Reality headset, the second iteration of it that came out a while ago. Uh, we have a PlayStation 5 and we have a lovely uh, Microsoft Surface Hope here. And I've been calling this Operation Make Adrian Puke. Yeah, he looks nervous already. It's not about a gaming slot, it's not about experiencing VR. So first things first, while that's happening, I need to give you this. Okay. This, this is feels like we've suddenly gone into, like, uh, <laughs> who wants to be a millionaire or something. No, you, this isn't a prize. This is in case you puke. So you don't oh, don't oh sorry, you. okay. I thought, oh, wow. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. If, no, I, no. if I kayak for far enough. Was that genuinely yeah. a puke bag? That's, it's all I could find. Wow. Uh, so if you want to puke. That's good improvisation there. I like it's that. It's very, very good, good TV. I'm a, I'm a solution. You, uh, you get a lot of these things. Are you, are you a bubble person? A bubble person. You get a lot of these things in there. Bubble wrap. Oh, bubble wrap, yeah. I like, you know the big fat ones when there's like an iPhone oh. in a box oh, and it's very exciting? Sort of scrunch them up. This um, is going to be a shit show like the toy show. This is, except it's adults, not children we're dealing with here. Have you a password to put into this that we need to not have you on screen for? The first curse No, 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 we're call. all good. Don't worry. Okay, okay this good. Is, this is part of my preparation. But this I is all been looked after. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Keep that close at hand. Thank you, Jess. So please bear with us. And if you want to send any words of encouragement or uh, piss-taking, please do, because... There's going to be a bit involved here. So, so just a reminder to the audience as well that we did it. We ran a league recently, Virgin Media um, Games Room, yeah. and I finished top of that league. So I well, you're holding those wrong. So that doesn't really <laughs> echo I, with that right? sentiment. For, that's right there. For people listening, not watching, so Idrin's got a couple of um, handheld he- handsets, and he's about to put on a headset, and we're going to try a bit of virtual reality kayaking. Is that what we're doing, Jess? This is what we're doing. So it's a game called Kayak uh, Mirage VR. This is my favourite game out of all of the ones that I've tested for the PSVR 2. So if I could get you to take out your in-ear and pop this on. This is where it gets interesting. Yeah, no, so I'm going to just make the... We're going into flightless mode now. Yeah. Mm. I mean, (laughs) was this under stewardship before? Oh, I can actually see the room. How cool is that? So should I put these things in? Yeah, put them in and I'm just going to come closer to you for a second. Make sure you're holding the controller. This is new that you can actually see what's going on in the room. I'm going to try and explain. I'm going to try and commentate on this as best I can, but Adrian has... Jess is currently putting the VR headset on Adrian's head. So now he is in a different world. He's in a different universe. Okay, he's so not able to probably hear. Are you able to hear us, Adrian? No, I can hear you. All right. Hear us all right, Sorry. no problem. Uh, Wait, no, hang on. Wait, let's just. Even though it's real, it's like I'm looking at things now through a camera. Yeah, so we can see on the big screen what Adrian can see in his so in his uh, in his little universe. Yeah, that hand through there. Yeah. So is Adrian in the metaverse now? Or what universe is he in? No, so this is this is the PlayStation world. This is essentially augmented reality because what you can see on the screen and what Adrian can see is he can see kind of his own surroundings as well as the. Um, they're just saying about motion. Safety warnings are rest. coming up on screen here, which is going to fill Adrian full of confidence. Check your play area settings. Yeah. This is My laptop is getting Could he be standing there. up or, sit, or sitting down all right here? Or he can do either or. Are, um, are we safe, Jess? So will you look all around you? Oh, wow. And look up and down. And for those, again, who aren't uh, watching, you're listening, it's, it's kind of like in Batman when Bruce Wayne looks around and he's got the Batman suit on and you've that got that sonar cool. It's vision. a series of blue triangles that morph into boxes the as well that are 3D that capture every single element of what's around. Because so should I do 360? Or yeah, if you can do 360, okay, 360 just yeah. because it needs to make sure that you are in a safe space. Okay, Room scanning good to go, complete. And we are good now to go. Now I'm seeing a, ser- seeing a series of 
Have you ever kayaked in real life, Adrian? That's I have. Yeah, I did. Yeah. I've done a kayaking course, actually, Shane. Yeah. Experience, okay. Yeah, Should we be pouring ago. water on Adrian to make it feel real? <laughs> is my question. Oh! Okay, hey. so here we are. We have landed. Okay, so can you wow, press X so on your controller? I'm in a kayak. So, let me just so see what we see on screen is, uh, see. it seems to be a large okay, swimming pool. We've got a, Adrian's in a kayak. Okay. There's a beach ball. There's okay. also a little floating um, flamingo. I want to say there's a, there's a tl- it's like the swimming pool at Trinity College It's a, except for about 10 times bigger it's a pretty nice room actually that Adrian is currently what's in what's X Jess is that this one no 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 so it's the th- this one here so hang on watch there's a bit of uh, light uh, shopping centre okay, music on, in the background there, as well. there we go there we go which so is, uh, fascinating. We've got a clock on the wall I think to inform Adrian so nothing's happening at that when he has to go home if you look all around you that is very cool uh, oh the kayak hello yeah you're in a kayak yeah there's the so uh, changing area. Very he's good. Currently looking around his, his, uh, his room. No diving. Fair enough. So the X, I still have. Can you finished. look down at your hands? Well, no, can I can't see them. Ha- I can, sorry, oh, I no, can't. No, your virtual hands. Okay, hang on with that. I'm going to take out my phone and film this as well because this is too good not to film. Hang on there now. Hang and on. There's a there nice now. little sort of. Um, bit of music there in the background. Yeah. So, hang on now. Are you good in the water, Adrian? Um, I'd be okay. I have done uh, triathlons. As Swim for a mile. We did. We okay, did so what we're going to do now is, Adrian, if you can look on the screen where it says the Antarctica. So we've got Papagayo in Costa Rica, no. Bionia in Norway. Oh, sorry, in the middle there, I can, yeah. Sierra Cove in Antarctica. That's where we're going. Yeah, we're going to go to the Antarctica. Oh, this is going to be very scenic. Okay, we're going to go. do a free roam and we'll do it at sunset. Oh, why not? Oh, yeah. icebergs and all. Now, so again, I have to stand. My so now I'm just seeing... Too red. Oh, now we have. Oy. Oh, we're in a lovely part of Antarctica here. Sierra Cove no, looks like the, a gorgeous uh, place. Paddle. Now, yeah. so what you do is move your handies as if you oh, are. Oh, cool. <laughs> oh, <wow>. oh, this <laughs> is oh how cool is this? The evening sun glistening off the icebergs. That is absolutely beautiful. So look all around you, look up, look down. I will be here for the day. You can um, sort of go, out your, go about your businesses. What I want you to do, though, is can you crash into one of the icebergs? Cause I want well, you I was to trying feel to avoid them, Jess, but thanks for... Uh, look, yeah. this is a demonstration. Oh, oh good man, Adrian. Get a bit of right Oh, there's a little bit there. of... You, feel a little you can of feel the haptic. So the brilliant thing about this uh, controller, the two controllers, is that when you bash into something, you get that sensation. Or if you like, if something zooms past your head or something like that, you can feel the sensations. And because you've got the in-ear headphones, you really are immersed into a different. Do you world. know what you can feel? Oh, there's penguins. Um, <laughs> do you know what you can feel? Right. Someone now this that. is slightly bizarre, but oh, there is penguins. obviously an immersive experience. Yeah. You can sort of feel. You almost feel as if your body feels as if you're knocking into these things. It's weird, isn't it? It, it completely transforms you. And. You know, there are some games that are um, better than others when it comes to the smooth sensation. There's Gran Turismo 7, which I've been playing a little bit, which is a racing game. Oh, very cool. But it makes me feel very, very ill. Yeah. And I think it's because things zoom by in your peripheral vision. Of course. This oh, is I've hit the iceberg with the paddle. Yeah. Very good. I was but what you can do as well is, say if you got like stranded a little bit, you can use the paddle to push you away from the side. So oh, say, for example, if you're in the pool and this stuff. This is like kayaking out of Milford Sound. This is fantastic. I'm guessing you can climb Patrick up on one of the icebergs, Jess. Well, we can give it a go. Yeah. What um, am I looking to do, Shane? Can you get up on one of them icebergs? There's a bird. <laughs> I don't know if that's possible. Or you're, maybe no, you're I've got an itchy eye. I don't know how that falls into the uh, whole situation. <laughs> I'd say that's I'm going out through this thing here. Can you see that? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. We, we can, can see, yeah, see yeah, everything yeah. that you can see. I presume this is the thing that everybody does. They're like, oh, an opening. In through the loop, yeah. Ah! Yeah. So the, the thing about this oh, game cool. is you can do this to relax and to unwind. This is one of the more experiential type games. Oh, I can, I'm having that. I thought oh, you were going to miss the goal there. You're a Westmead man, so you might have missed it. Oh, Orca oh, whale. Wow. Hello. Is that a killer whale? How cool is was he, that? Is he in an danger? Orca, yeah, is that a safety orca. message? Is that why there was a safety message? This is, and penguins too, Adrian. I know oh, you like them. a deserted boat over there. I like the Ooh. penguins. 
how many people? You think ten out of ten people who come out there and see the deserted boat? Get, get over to that whale, Idris. <laughs> I actually have to. Can you actually? Can you? Will the, will the whale come back? This is mad. This is so cool. It's the most fun I've had. It's actually quite all week. Uh, tiring in the arms, Jess. It is, yeah. And that's the thing that people don't fully understand is that although it's a virtual experience, there's an element of physicality to it. You are engaging. As we spoke about the last time I was here, you know, you guys were asking if there are any more sport games and that there are more coming down the track, but you just need to be aware of your surroundings. Now, as you can see, as Adrian is looking around this room, the OTB studio, you can see on the screen here what better. he's actually seeing in the virtual mm-hmm. world. And he can look all around, he can change direction, he can move. So you have this option of the free roam, as it's called, or you can get into races. Is and there, um, the races are I do terrifying. a race if there's one going. Will we do a race? Yeah, yeah, I'd take on a race. Might as well. Yeah. That okay. sky, by the way, looks very real. It do, it's it? incredible. To be honest, uh, like, it all looks, the, the water is a slight bit sort of samey over there. Well, if you lean well, over your say. chair and look down, so lean over and look oh, down wow. in the water. Oh, jeez, oh. So there are other experiences. So we chose this one just because it's the one that I've used the most. But there are other experiences where the water is so incredibly clear. How do your are your arms hands tired now? Just up here, Shane, up around this area. Bicep area. Biceps. That's what you call them. Yeah. That's where the bicep should be, is it? That's it. Where they should be. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Uh, Very cool. I must say, I can definitely see the attraction of. Can you, can you choose actual locations to kayak around? No, at the moment there are set locations, so you get to choose these ones, and then as I okay. said, there's the racing option. But the cool thing is with the racing, so say if we had one here for Shane as well, mm. you and Shane could have a kayak race, and you'd be able to see him in front oh, of you. Oh, we know what way that each other. I mean, come on. Well, I'm, I'm liking that. So I do a bit of Zwifting at home, and one of the big attractions of it is that What's you can... What's Zwifting? Zwifting is the um, casting experience. So you, you cast... So I choose a route, let's say I go to New York... And there's like 50 other real people who are also going to have a cycle around New York. Okay. And so I go around the actual, I go around, like I could cycle around the High Line. I can cycle around Central Park. So it's all real. Right, now right, it, right. It's because it's not VR, it doesn't look as real as this, of course. Yeah. But this, that would be quite cool if I could say, okay, I'd like to kayak down the Shannon Inlet alone, for example. I've, yeah. I've seen people do the VR standing on, on the ledge of a high building and getting nauseous, but I've also seen Ronnie O'Sullivan play VR snooker, where, where he literally lean, goes to lean on the table to take I've a shot the clip and completely that, yeah. falls over. Brilliant. Can I just ask, so does the nauseousness, because I'm not feeling in the slightest bit nauseous right now, does that kick in? When you take the headset off? When you take it off now, because I, I was playing with it in our boss's office a little while ago and my tummy feels a little bit queasy yeah, now. Okay. Um, I, I also think it's... There's a, um, oh, you've gotten faster, Adrian. Yeah, I can definitely... showing yeah. off now. Oh, wow. So I've given you the easy mode here, but if we'd gone to nighttime or a stormy scene, you would get the sensation of, you know, the turbulence and the, the, the right. bobbing around the place, which is a bit disconcerting. Oh, we should have given him the This is going to make a great podcast. I just yeah. Yeah. I just want someone to gif it. Can we gif Adrian looking like this? Because as cool as the game is, you don't I really can only look imagine cool. what an idiot I look like. Yeah. Uh, you do look pretty you do look pretty idiotic at the but best like, times, but what's this the alternative, is, you know what I mean? Well this is it. Uh, do you want to try and do a race? I'd take on a race, yeah, and we'll oh. wrap it up then. We'll put people out of their misery. Okay. <laughs> it's very good. No, it's brilliant. It's brilliant, Adrian. So just give us that for a second. Let's keep this going. It's yeah, for anyone listening now, I would urge you to get the YouTube video of this okay, uh, off the ball on YouTube. Give us a sub- subscribe. As good as the podcast Smash that like It's button. not really the full immersive experience yet. No. No. Uh, okay. Um, can I just... Uh, uh, the expression, open the kimono, seems to have been used an awful lot this week. It has. But I'll just open the kimono a little bit, if you don't mind. We were about to do this lot, and uh, our brilliant, brilliant producer column came in and said listen I said I had to take out my earpiece so I wouldn't be able to hear him because I've got to put these earpieces in and he said that's no problem I'll just type into you (laughs) 
<laughs> uh, can you just Useful. put this in your hand again and hit, hit on start? Jess um, is just choosing a place called Coralicious. Which is sound. So you see, Fantastic. So you're going see to press the, the on the back, but just you have to look at the screen and look at where it says start. Click on because start. Because the thing with this is that it uses your eye tracking calibration. So oh, why? Does he just oh, sorry, blink? Sorry. Does he blink down to press enter, or what happens? In some cases, you can do that, and then in other cases, you're using the physical controllers. Yeah. But it's all about oh, your right. eyes. So part of the setup that I was doing before we came on air, because oh, it had no never way. been oh, three, two, in the new stock oh, office shit. before, yeah. uh, <laughs> is ensuring that uh, oh, cool. the eye tracking was ah. enabled and stuff like that. Go on, Adrian, you buy you. You're going. Ah, Let's ah, go through the table. The, the, ah, ah, I got the wrong way. Get over here. Two-second penalty for hitting the pole there. Is that what happened? Yeah, yeah. Damn it. So don't hit the poles if you can. You're heading through uh, chicane number two here. And we're going to hit a pole. Oh, you avoided the poles. Well done, Which Adrian. Where am I going? 22 seconds gone here. We've got to look for number three. Where's the next one? Ah! Where's gate number I three? I've got to crash you're into the beach. You're heading for the beach, lad. Oh! Ouch! <laughs> He's hit the table. Oh, come on. I've run aground. Things are going <laughs> pretty south pretty quickly here. Where is it? Folks, I don't know what's <laughs> going on here. Give me any guidance here. Adrian's lost the plot. He looks like oh, he's Jesus, a boxer now. He's literally smacking the table. I'm like trying to... There we go. 44 seconds gone. Where is the next? Trying to turn just around go straight here. Ahead. Is it go. over there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes. This uh, desk is really not helping me. No, I just go not. straight ahead. That's good advice. Uh, the backpedalling, I must say, is not a. I just think it's your technique, though, Paul. No, yeah. the, is that me over? Oh, that's me over there. Oh, yeah. Is it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Right, let's get gate number three. We're back on track. Now. We don't know how many. How well, many look at that there down are. there. Look at the oh, coral reef. That's the water I was talking about. That's very middle, clear. Cool. Terrible athlete here in the middle of a race talking about the the reef. the coral reef, I know. Which is. Not advisable if you're a sports person to be admiring the scenery around you. Uh, looking Very for gate number three. Oh, look, there's look, 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 I think everyone else has finished the race at this point. Yeah. Oh, Adrian, you're going to fall out of the, the kayak there, but uh, let's not do that. Oh, I see the arrows now. That's yeah. a bit, oh, there's a fish. Yeah, there's a fish. Looks like a rainbow fish. Hello. There's a penguin. Um, <laughs> number three coming up here. you got to make sure you don't hit the pole. We don't want a two-second penalty here, Adrian. Good man. Well done. Don't hit oh, the rocks. Ah! Get on the rocks. Ah! Cliff, that here. did feel as if I hit them like. Yeah, that's Push amazing. away. Use your oar to push away. Off this thing. Yeah. Oh, amazing. Isn't it cool? Yeah, I didn't wow. know I could do that. So, now I'm going out to sea, apparently. For anyone listening, I would, I would urge you just to, to not listen and just watch this. This is uh, quite amazing, Adrian. In a, this is in a like going around Bull Island or Ireland's um, Eye. It's, it's quite incredible. This is uh, coming around the bend oh, here. here. We go, We've here got we go. Uh, here's a left-hand turn here for Adrian. Owen Rhinish, you haven't got a patch on me, buddy. He's, he's staying well away from the cliff. He's about 16 metres away from yeah, the Yeah, uh, take anything out of the weather. Fourth gate. Be amazing. This is going to be carnage here. Can he avoid the poles here and avoid a two-second penalty? Yeah, he has done so, but has he avoided the cliffs? No. He's going to have to push off again. We've got two I'm minutes and 19 seconds on the clock. I don't know I'm, when this ends, I'm but I'm going to keep coming to you like it's exciting. Uh, okay, we're going to take a right-hand turn. At some point. Adrian, good man. Uh, this is so how cool. How do you feel right now? I feel as if, am I hitting something there? Yeah, my cable. Are, do we need a left-hand turn to make this chicane? Oh, look at that for a move. Oh, yeah, it's not a chicane, but it's a gate. But sure, look. Oh, oh, wow, we avoided I the just penalty. Hit, I just punched myself straight in the face. Somehow the penalty has been avoided here. Uh, it feels as if either my muscles are finish line is inside it, Adrian. I'm 40 meters away. Enough ground, like, oh, is this the finish line? Okay, finish line. let's go. Can you get there in under three minutes? Can you do it in under, th- under three minutes? I don't know. I don't know how far away that is. It was that first left turn that Oh, you're nearly there. Go, go, you're almost go, there. Go. Under three minutes will be a great score here. 255.73. Uh, well done. Six, six gates, it turns out. No medal, it says, at the top. Bullshit. Which is <laughs> that's not realistic. Okay, well, there you go. I will say that is very, very cool. That's, Look at the coral reef. Can we just take reef. a moment to acknowledge people who don't understand the attractiveness of esports? Oh yeah, and the competitive edge and the commentary yeah. and how it's a thing. Big time. We just saw it there. This is, so I'm excited by that. Well, I, I have to say, right? Like, I've never done this before, but um, hit the gate. Then. It's so much fun, and I could easily see how uh, 
like doing a raise, for example. Yeah. That would be a brilliant way. To, and like you were, like you were saying, you're probably trying to put yourself in a position where you don't have all this paraphernalia around you yeah. and you've got a bit of room to do it. And it could actually be a brilliant workout. Oh, yeah, no, 100%. And as more games come on, we're going to see more and more of that. But I just think for the moment, people just need to get acclimatised to it. Like, I'm interested to see how you're going to feel now when you take this oh, yeah. off. It's like in a far oh, yeah. more advanced so somebody VR want to take Nintendo Wii. I'm really not sure where I am. Uh, okay. This is going to be interesting now. See how sick Adrian feels. Maybe you'd be okay. There's your envelope. <laughs> do you know what that feels like? What? You know when you go into the pub? I do. And then in the middle of the day and then you leave. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's suddenly darkness outside. Yeah. After a number of hours. Yeah. That's what it feels it's like. disorientating, Very right? disorientating. Yeah, yeah. I, I actually, it's, it's hard to believe I'm in a studio now. Honestly. Yeah. No, it's uh, and that's it's the disorient it's the overall disorientation I think and like as you can see the the headsets down on the desk now but you can see still see the the detail yeah so everything that you were experiencing there we were able to see and okay. we were able to laugh at and yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I do think it's an it's an incredible piece of technology it is six hundred quid and you do need so the PS five yeah. um, but I think on a fun factor level. It is great. There are also Star Wars games that are brilliant. Uh, oh, space, but space be class. Well, I you think that should, space the, that should be the next one that we'll do for you. Yeah. Maybe in there a few weeks' time we'll bring that in and you can have a go. Make my dreams reality of going to space. No yeah. problem. We can That'd make be that unbelievable. happen. That was brilliant, Jess. Thanks, I really enjoyed that. It actually worked. I'm yeah, so re- I've never been so nervous doing something. Could have gone. Yeah. It's great. We didn't even need this. I mean, I don't want to be talking about the past tense because yeah. who yeah. really knows. Uh, but I have to say that was great. Like... Um, it's what, what were we doing that for like five or six minutes maybe a bit oh, more it was longer it? than that longer yeah 15 minutes yeah. like yeah. was it that long yeah. uh, the headset I can definitely see after a little while like it's kind of sweaty and it gets a bit itchy and I, I and find it like hurts like the bridge of my nose and then okay. it also you are because I wear glasses I find that it does take me a little while just to get used to the yeah. headset and then taking it off again that it's, type of thing that's fascinating that you only thought it was five or six minutes I know time is a construct like of a, human perception this is like interstellar where time maybe slowed down for you within that, that well, universe well like, it took you three minutes to do the race it did okay, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, and so yeah, then we had the, a few minutes of fuel, and then the, yeah. like so, the time does go by very mm. quickly. What's great about this is as well, you can put the Netflix app on. You can access Netflix and stuff like that, and have like a private home okay. virtual uh, cinema experience. So you can watch your content okay. in what's a virtual cinema. So there's loads of uses for it. Yeah. I really like it. I just think I'm excited to see what other titles come down the track, and then how different people. Mm feel once they're in the VR world I'd love someday if I'm abroad for a Monaghan match big Monaghan match that I miss and I can just stick on a headset and, and sit, pick my seat it's in Croke Park that's watch something else rather than the match <laughs> no I'd watch the match of course I'd <laughs> look around me amazing um, Jess Kelly thanks many for coming in thank you people want more of this stuff which of course they do yes we are actually talking about gaming on this week's Tech Talk so you can find the podcast now wherever you get your podcast or tune in to News Talk tomorrow at 5 Brilliant. And you'll come into us again down the track and we'll do this all over again with Shane and we can laugh at him. <laughs> just promise me that is the only thing I ask. We're going to laugh at every member of Team OTB over the next well, year. That's people, my goal. People coming in now. I'm we should sure do a puke Olympics. Oh, See yeah. who's the first <laughs> yeah, one to yeah. get sick. Yeah. Well, I have to read something off the uh, laptop now. So, okay, go. Where's your envelope? Thanks a million, Jess. Thank on you. Monday's show, the uh, amazing Gillette Labs performance rankings. We'll have Daniel Harris looking back at the weekend's football. Alison Miller will uh, look back on Ireland's win over France. Right, uh, Morris Brosnan on the football. Uh, we'll have Keen Tracy on the rugby as well, and plenty more besides as well. We'll have uh, Rafa Hannesson right now, though, uh, from the Athletic on the show last night. Have a wonderful weekend. OTB AM with Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave or your money back. Neon Night Edition available now.